0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear. I'm Scott McNally, and of course, I am here, as always, with Skip Hill and S2H. Our programming is all brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code ADVICES for some additional savings. Skip, I have a—this is for a little bit later. My shake, it's ready. I've got two scoops of Team Skip right here.
1: Has it been sitting there for four days?
0: Because it looks like it's separated. (laughs) It's it's like foaming at the top now. But I, I what is that it. when
1: you take a Guinness and you <laughs> mix is something that else?
0: Thing. That's what. Yeah, that's what it looks like. This is the Anadrol. I put some Anadrol powder <laughs> in there, and it separates at the
2: top. This looks dangerous. I better
0: put my glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, guys, anybody who's watching this live, feel free to throw some questions in. Uh, everybody who is watching this live, I know you guys are all of our OG fans, listeners, subscribers, and all that. But if you're if you're watching the recorded version, if you're at YouTube, do us a favor, hit the like button if you enjoy the content. And if you are new here, you haven't subscribed, then please do because we have several programs coming out each week. We'd love to have you along for all of them. Uh, we are going to start out here with a topic and uh, we are almost completely prepared for this topic. We're calling it five exercises that you should be doing. And Skip has prepared four. And we're going to free ball it. We're going to come up with the fifth one as we go. And then after that, we're going to go to a bunch of listener questions and everything else. So guys feel free to throw questions in the feed and skip. Take it away, man. Where do we start here? What's 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 the first exercise? Well, I guess define for us. What are What is this the five exercises that we should be doing? Are these exercises we currently aren't doing or what? Most people
1: aren't doing, but they should be, um, They're exercises that at one time Were far more popular Mm. And you know because everything Has to be so progressive And with you know machines And you know The advancement of not only hammer strength But all the new leverage machines and things like that Some of these exercises fall by the wayside And I don't think that they should Um, Or they get a bad rap And they're kind of shelved And oh you know that's old But yet everybody still wants to squat Get a big old booty and have adductors that are, you know, three times bigger than they need to be. Uh, so four, we said we had four of the five. We have four of the so five.
2: Num- number and I got one, fifth
1: one. You got the fifth one. Mm-hmm. Um, number and there's, they're not in any particular order. Yeah. but But um, number one being dumbbell flies, and I know some people might be saying, and some of you may say, well, I already do these. Okay, that's fine. But the majority of people tend to look at an exercise like dumbbell flies and think, well. You know, that's not a big mass builder. Why yeah. would I want to do it? and continue to pound the same exercises and not progress over time and then wonder, gosh, I you know scratch their head, wonder, well, gee, what can I do to get my chest to grow more? And an exercise like dumbbell flies, uh, especially being a multi angled, um, you know, a multi angled joint where you can hit it from different angles. There's a myriad of angles there, whether it be incline, decline, uh, low incline, high incline, all that good shit. And I think that that exercise tends to be, it's more of a 70s type exercise. Don't mm. you guys agree? I mean, it's not something, it's like, well, you know, with, with machines these days, there's so much variety and so many other things that I could be doing. But demo flies, I think, are highly underrated dude, for
0: size. Dude, uh, I would say personally, like machine laterals, fuck my shoulders up bad. Even yeah. like, what's that, what do they call that thing that everybody loves? And I know that I think um, Arsenal remade one, made a new one. They call it like, the, is it the Iron Cross?
2: The one you go like, like this? You're standing in front of and you... Yeah.
0: You know that lateral machine? Oh, he's for, talking about side laterals. Ladder.
2: Okay, I get you. Yeah. I think he's talking about dumbbell flies, aren't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, I am. But I'm saying, though, that I do... Oh, you're talking about chest flies i don't know why i was yeah. thinking you're thinking laterals okay yeah you no, know what? The- no i don't do those <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i was we'll thinking just, we'll just edit that yeah. part out but it still comes back it's still the same premise a lot of yeah. people now will go to a side lateral machine if yeah. they see it and it's funny that you bring that up because i i don't like it either they have one down at iron temple they have one at Armbrust pro gym and they're uh, one's in Atlantis. That's the one. I, th- I think it's Atlantis at Armbrust Pro and uh, the other one down at Iron Temple. I'm not sure. I don't like either one of them. I like the
0: gyms. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> don't get me you, wrong. You were saying good. you were saying flies and I was thinking laterals that whole time. I'm like picturing lateral raises. I'm like, I, I do those every time I train shoulders. Right. Like, no, but dumbbell, I don't. Dumbbell flies. Yeah. I don't do dumbbell flies, but you do them. You do them. Uh, like how often? you well, chest workout? One of
1: those things about four years ago and I said, you know what? My chest really hasn't. Improved much over the last handful of years. I'm gonna try to mix things up and change some things I went back to trying dips and dips are for me are not they're not happening They just put my shoulder in a position that isn't very comfortable and I don't care what anybody says about how, how It could even be squatting if squatting is you know king of leg development and you've got that ingrained in your brain Like most everybody does but they're painful or they you just don't feel your quads moving and you've tried different angles Sometimes the way that your, you know, the length of your, um, you know, but basically the space between your knee and your hip or the knee and the ankle, it can, it can offset that to where it just sometimes isn't good for some people. Yeah. But dumbbell flies. Uh, what I'm seeing now is the people who are doing the dumbbell flies are doing them more like presses though. Oh. Uh, you have to be outside of that that 90 degrees. It has to fall out there for the stretch. And so what. The few people that I do see doing them are kind of using them more as a variation of a dumbbell press or a wide dumbbell press with a neutral grip versus an actual fly. You have to get outside of that 90 degree angle mm. so that that stretch is there, but yet not have your arms too straight because if they're too straight, then that puts your chest in a pretty, you know, your shoulders in a vulnerable position. Keep in mind that the bicep attaches over the shoulder. So when that arm is straight, you know if it's if it's damn near straight that's that's kind of dangerous.
0: Yeah, one of our listeners Jan had said uh people in my gym go way too heavy on flies. Um arms bend way too much and it turns into a press. Pretty much exactly what you're saying then. I don't know, man. I I feel like with my shoulder it doesn't work very well. I do I do a lot more pec deck personally. I'm I'm going to I'm not going to lie. Even at home, I don't do I don't do dumbbell flies, and I don't have like a ton of options here. Scott, you're old school. If you were training, which I know, <laughs> would, you be doing dumbbell flies.
2: The fifth exercise is actually working out that people aren't doing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I used to do them. I I, I quit doing them because they hurt my shoulders. Yeah, you know, I mean, if it's like 30s or 40s or something, but you know. Like Skip said, the minute you get up, probably, if I was to get up to like 60s or something, I would start pressing them more than flying them. Hmm. You know, you get more L bend in your elbow and it become more of a press. And, you know, that's all I have. Okay. So,
0: Skip, I've seen you press, dumbbell press some some decent weight. I'm going to say, have I seen you press like the 150s, 140s?
1: um i tell you what if i've pressed the 150s they were probably uh not very pretty 80. uh but the you know the 140s and the 130s okay yeah okay well we're 10
0: pounds i'm 10 pounds off then it's not yeah that's not too but far
1: so but that's the difference and i haven't hit them in a while or haven't hit the 140s anyway but go well, on. <laughs> yeah i'm asking you for a reason so if that's what you're pressing
0: what are you using for flies
1: Well, when I started out, I was in the basement. I mean, they were uh, even when I was pressing heavy because it was a movement that I wasn't used to. So there's a there's an element of coordination too, and just getting the movement right. Uh, But I could fly, you know, good just outside of 90 degrees, not close to stiff arm. Um, you know, like today or this last week, I, if I needed to, I could go 65s, I might be able to go seventies, but they, the, another thing with flies is I don't, obviously you don't want to be low rep on them. So it's an exercise that if you're going to go heavy on something, go heavy on presses or on bench or dumbbell press, that sort of thing, and keep your reps a little bit higher so that they're more controlled, uh, you know, with the flies. So if I'm up around the 12 rep range, you know, 65s. I mean, I could probably walk in at any point and do 65s right around the 12, 15, and they're solid. I don't know if anybody's seen me train, but I'm kind of a stickler, almost OCD, for uh, rep tempo, form, you know, mechanics are, my mechanics are rock solid. They have to be. We still haven't <laughs> trained old. yet. Nope, not yet. I'm just in
0: this. <laughs>
1: oh, shit. <laughs> i'm old i just start ch- literally choking on spit just like, like sometimes probably. guns just go
0: off sometimes old yeah, people just start choking you know
1: start choking for no reason <laughs> 50 years and i can't get the swallow and breathe thing timing down um we've tried what twice i think
0: i think so yeah, yeah. when
1: i was back in michigan and it just hasn't we're not that close that's why yeah when, when i'm in michigan not very close it's but still four hopefully hours we be able to do that one of these. I'll pick up some pointers, take them back to my clients, make money. Yeah, there you, you know.
0: go. Well, yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next one. What do you what do you got for us uh, next on the list? I knew dumbbell flies is one of them, which I thought were laterals for some reason. I even wrote flies on my list. I wrote flies and <laughs> I'm thinking laterals. I don't know. Still stuck. Under in there. grip lat pulls or chins I for love biceps. Love those. Oh for biceps? And I consider
1: it, yeah, for biceps. Oh. For biceps, yeah. And it's it's kind of funny because I like using them as a finisher. For buys, once your buys, look at it this way. When you do narrow grip chins, let's say you're finishing back with a neutral grip and it's relatively narrow. Tell me that your biceps don't just blow up to the point where it's almost like, oh my gosh, my, it's like you feel like you're training biceps. They end up getting so much of a pump. So when you go with that undergrip and it's narrow and you stay more upright and you only pull and you kind of pull to the face, it's very, very close. You keep the bar and you pull to, you, to your mouth or your chin. Um, give it a shot. Finish your bicep workout with controlled. You don't have to get the full stretch at the top. In fact, it's, it's not a very natural um like movement at the top because your back doesn't want to stretch at the top anyway Mm. so go ahead and you can almost do uh to explain it better almost like a three quarter reps from from the chin to the top not you don't have to have the full stretch because you're not training your back that's going to be difficult to do if you just train back the day before because your back still has to work it's much like a uh the comparison is this Finishing biceps with undergrip lat pulls to the chin. It's kind of like finishing triceps with dips or oh, yeah. on the hammer dip machine. Yeah, okay? like
0: that.
1: It's a good finisher. It's not something that you want to open with because your back will do a lot of that work and your biceps will be strong. But when your biceps are weaker and they're more fatigued and you're finishing your bicep workout with them, do them and get back to me and tell me that it doesn't just fry the shit out of your
0: biceps. I got one that I just thought of kind of related. I'll I'll hold on to it for a minute, but I'll say, I thought you were talking about underhanded pull downs, like, you know, underhanded, just, just for your back. And I see a lot of people not doing those. That's a, I would and, agree with that. And yeah. to me, that's a really good one. And this actually sparks something. I want to ask both you guys about this. So, and here's a great example too, of where video can help us because if we were trying to do this on audio podcast, I would never be able to explain this. But on my pull-down, oh, man, I could almost just take my computer and turn it around into the gym because I'm looking at my lat pull-down right over there. But I've got the mics and stuff hooked up. So on my pull-down, though, when I pulled down, I used to just pull, like, right to here. I'd pull, like, like this, okay? And now, and I guess for anybody at home who's listening on the audio podcast, I'd pull just down to the top of my chest. And now... I'm pulling kind of more in front of me and I'm coming down like this. So the bar comes down to like about it's in front of me so I can get down to my solar plexus and I make sure that I touch, you know, like the bottom of my chest elbows coming back and then I, you know, bring it back up. And that works really good, too, for the underhanded because you could really you Mm -hmm. know, bring those elbows in tight. What is better to grow your lats? Because I feel like low down low yeah because i feel like when i've gone when i used to go up high all i would feel is like i felt it but i feel like up in the armpit and that was it
2: Rear delt.
1: yeah probably yeah, a lot a lot of people will classify or categorize that movement that you're talking about as a lower lat type of movement for that reason mm. again it comes back to elbow travel uh we're talking about bar and hands but the tr- The reality is is the path that the elbows take. Yeah. And because it's an undergrip and it's – I'm assuming that you're going roughly shoulder width, which right. quite, quite frankly with all back movements I think is the best because it provides the best range of motion. Anytime you come inside of the, your shoulder width or outside, you're limiting the range of motion to some degree. So at the shoulder – at the, with the shoulder width, you're getting the most elbow, the most range of motion for the elbow and when you're getting the most range of motion for the elbow, then you're getting the best range of motion for that working muscle. doesn't matter if it's chest flies. you know we've talked about this before and it's hard to demonstrate, but you know if you're finishing your 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 pec flies on a machine with your hands like this, but your elbow is way out here. If the further you get mm. your hands away from your body, the more the elbows can come together. We, I, I've written articles about this, the weenus yeah. and the vagina you want to actually not try to touch your hands together but the vagina of your elbow the inside of your elbow you're trying to touch those together and that increases the range of motion no wonder i wonder how read your articles well uh, sometimes <laughs> sometimes for like wait i have to break things down to the most rudimentary level so that they're understood
2: no, i get <laughs> it weenus and the vagina yeah, the weenus and the vagina look,
1: look it up look it up weenus and vagina I get it. He's, he, he's like, I don't know if it's there. I, he, Skip might be right.
2: I'm right. So he was saying five year olds are like, we vagina.
1: Well, I I just explained it, though, in a way that everybody understood
0: what I was saying. So sure I feel like that's something people aren't doing. I feel like every time I go, anytime I look at somebody doing a pull down, they're doing them wrong. You know, I, I don't know. Is it wrong, though? Or is just, I just feel like, you know what, man? I mean, my back thickness has come up dramatically over the years. Like over the years I've trained and trained and trained and you know, I've I've trained with great bodybuilders like you know freaking pros and and my width hasn't come up the way I wanted it to, but the thickness was crazy. You know, great great thickness. I mean, I'm not pro level, but you know, it came up a lot. Whereas the 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 things I would be doing to kind of bring that width out those like pull downs and stuff. It just it just it didn't it didn't it it didn't grow as well. And I think I'm, for me, it was the way I was pulling down. I don't know.
1: And it may have been simply a change that your back wasn't used to. And anytime you create a stimulus that a muscle is not used to, it has to adapt and it has to grow. So, you know, with something like the back again, getting into multi-angle movements, you know, with the whether it be chest or back. There's a multitude of different angles and a multitude of different grips So anytime you can do something different, I always believe that's where variety plays a big part. We could talk about back for like an hour and a half and then do it, you know, for the next three segments because it it can get quite complex and and complicated. I just Uh, had another
0: question. I wrote it down to ask you later because I didn't want to take like I didn't want to take us too far off track. But I I do have another uh, one on back. So I'll I'll save it. Okay. So what's what's next then? We've got the uh, we've got Dumbbell Flies. We have the uh, pull downs for your biceps. Yep, nope.
1: sissy squats. Yeah. Um, and, and I need to clarify because a lot of people will argue this point and say, "Well, skip those aren't technically sissy squats." Especially the older demographic, the, the people in my age age group or demographic. I understand that a sissy squat technically is the old school 1980s way or 70s way of doing it. It can go back further than that, where you're using your body weight, you're holding on to one plate and you're, you know, the other hand you're holding on to a squat rack or something that doesn't move and you're kicking your knees out in front of you and you're rolling up on the balls of your feet. But that's not the sissy squat I'm talking about. Now we have this tiny little sissy squat leg machine that you can stand on that has a pad behind your calf and in front it has the rollers much like you would do a leg extension. And I think with those now, and the original sissy squat is underrated too. But when you have a little machine like that that locks you in, uh the one thing I didn't like about the original sissy squat was I don't think it was hitting both legs equally. Like it wasn't symmetrical in the sense that if you're holding onto something with one hand and you're holding a plate in your hand with the other... That, to me, is something's off left Mm. to right there. So then you have to tackle trying to hit both of the legs equally as hard with the same stress. And I think it was difficult to do with the new little sissy squat machines that damn near every gym has these days. You're hitting everything equally left to right. And they're very difficult. Again, it's a finisher. It's not something that you're going to pile weight on and be able to, you know, that's something for the squat rack or hacks or, or leg presses. But I've been forced to use them with my hip injury, uh, with my rupture, which, by the way, I got 100% clearance yesterday from Dr. Fragus Kakis. Nice. did a full assessment on me uh, down at Titan. He was working on some of my clients and some of the members there. And I uh, did get full clearance, so I am excited to be able to get back. But that's a tangent that I need to come back off of. So the point is, is I've been using these sissy squats because I've been very limited in, in what I can do for legs for the last four or five weeks. Yeah. Leg curls. Leg extensions and sissy squats. That's it. Um, not much hip involvement. Obviously, you have to bend at the hip, but it just loads your quads big time. Yeah. Arguably more your rectus femoris, much like a leg extension, than your vastus lateralis and and medialis. But the point is, is it hammers the shit out of them. And I think a lot of people don't use them again because it's a body weight type exercise, or maybe holding on to you know a couple of small dumbbells at the same time, which is actually pretty impressive once you start to add weight because if you're doing them correctly and your upper body is upright they are brutal hmm. yeah I like you, know how you, do it?
2: you know how you do it without having to use one arm and a plate in one hand you use chains yeah and you there do two hand hold hmm. okay fair enough yep. yeah
0: that's good i like chains yeah. hmm.
2: and you feel tougher yeah doing a sissy squat with chains around your neck
0: Anytime you have, we work chains into it. I don't care what it. I've seen people even doing flies with heavy chains, and then hooking a handle on the end
2: of them. Yep. You know, chains got a lot of use.
0: Yeah, I got a couple of forty-five pound chains here. I need to, I need to shoot more Instagram videos with. Let's all
1: agree that they are a giant, massive inconvenience and not very practical, though. Oh, they're totally not practical. Yeah. Oh my god, but they're great Good
2: for building your bench. Yeah. Chain your chain your bar. Especially if you have trouble trouble locking out. Because as you press out, the chain gets longer, it gets heavier. Or from the floor up. If you have issues with your shoulder
0: in that bottom range is a bands. problem. Bands, but I mean also that, that bar is deloading, you know, as you lower it. Or issues mm-hmm. with your lower back on squats. I use chain my chains on squats. I've always liked them. But yeah, I think if you were to if you were to pick one or the other, I think bands are a little bit more practical. Also I have chains here but it's not like i'm going to take them with me you know what i mean to the gym right yep so there's the
1: other thing i I don't
2: like drag them around
0: yeah
1: the other thing i don't like about chains and bands and i wonder if any of the viewers feel the same way i don't like how they will not fall the same way (laughs) every for every rep i don't like that and that's another reason that and again i don't want to get off on a tangent but those little bouncy bars that everybody wants to use and i call them that maybe i shouldn't do that because bouncy that sounds kind of condescending what do you mean, uh, ball, uh, okay. that, like that bamboo oh those yeah. bamboo shaky bar i yeah. that to me is it makes me cringe every time i see it. Yeah. there's no way i'm going to go near them and i'm not going to let a client go near them that's just me i'm not saying that they're wrong or bad i'm saying i don't like them because i think that the potential there for injury is far superior to a regular bar
0: i can see that yeah i mean i'm sure we could find people to argue that too any power lifters listing right now are probably like yeah, what do you
2: mean your what do you mean your chains don't fall evenly
1: well they can't fall the same
0: way on every rep
2: yeah they can you have to coil them at the bottom on the floor so you coil okay. them and turn them in and they'll go up level and come back down level
1: Okay, well, they can't, really, they can't fall the exact same way every time. It's it's relatively random. And if you have to coil them and there's a system for making them fall, that's one more thing that makes them impractical.
2: Scott, you're off-center,
0: by the way. I only see half your face. Well, I'm
2: getting comfortable. because okay. <laughs> skip was going on, so I had to lean back in my chair. All
0: right, let's keep this thing rolling. So we had the sissy squat next. We, we, we've got two more. We still have to come up with one. So what's what's the last official one on the list before we start uh inventing stuff
1: i don't know we made the i made the list before and honestly off the top of my head what was it what was the other one behind the neck
0: press yeah behind the
1: neck press Um, because i've got the fifth one it just took me since we pushed the button to come up with it but i'll leave the fifth one out and i'll go with the behind the neck press i think a lot of people it but behind the neck press started to fall out of favor when people started saying and pointing out um that it p- can put the shoulder in a vulnerable position. It's not a natural movement. The argument was how many times in your life would you press something behind your neck? You would, If you're putting a box up on a shelf, you wouldn't press it in that fashion. You would press it from your chest up and over, overhead. If done correctly, and there is flexibility, you could not have the flexibility. I want to say that right out of the gate. If you're tight through your shoulders and taking the bar behind your neck um, or behind your head, rather, is uncomfortable, then then don't force it. But take that as a sign that you have poor flexibility Mm. throughout your shoulders. Okay, that's number one. Number two, in doing this movement, I think it's better to do it on a Smith machine because it's a fixed movement. So it's not going to get away from you. It's not going to go too far back or too far forward, that sort of thing. But the bar shouldn't come down any lower. Than the base of the skull Or the back of the skull What that does is Once you start to push the upper arm Below parallel to the floor Yeah you could potentially get yourself In a vulnerable position With your shoulder joint But if that upper arm is Just slightly below Parallel to the floor And you press up overhead And locking out is important Because I want to point out too That behind the neck presses Everybody thinks these are Primarily front delt Or anterior delt (laughs) movements But they're not If done correctly, it's that you're getting more movement or more work out of the side delt and the front and rears are more considered stabilizers. And if it doesn't add up and you think that doesn't make any sense, just do them the way I'm telling you to full lockout, not partial, but full lockout and tell me that your side delts don't blow up with blood. And tell me whether your anterior if you're feeling your anterior delts burn like they would on a front delt press. And unless you're doing something fucked up, I'm right.
0: <laughs> All right. Last one, and then we'll we'll move on to our listener questions. What's uh what's the last one you came up with for us?
1: Oh, you want me to give it. You want me to put I it? I do, out there
0: since too. you since you already came up with it, I could probably think of something but I'm pretty limited in the exercises I do. There's nothing, I can't think of a single thing that I do that's like, damn, nobody does this, but they should be. Honestly, I really don't.
1: This one's borderline. More people do it than, more people do this fifth exercise than the other four, but they don't, they don't understand or they may not understand how important this movement is for back development and see it more like, oh, it's really not like a mass builder, especially at higher reps, that sort of thing, and that is dumbbell pullovers. Mm. I would say, I I say dumbbell pullovers, but I'll say this. Machine pullovers are great if you have the right machine. A lot of machines these days, uh, and Hammer Strength makes both kind, they don't give you the stretch that you really need for this movement. Hammer Strength makes a pullover machine like Armbrust Pro Gym has where you have to step on the lever to bring it up. I like that. Then you, then you know you're good. The old Nautilus pullover was great. We have one in Iron Temple down in Miami, like, and it's awesome.
0: Like the old – is it like chain-driven?
1: It's chain-driven, but it's kind of a Generation 2 Nautilus. It's not okay. the first one that looked like the giant thing that was like an astronaut pullover. Yeah.
0: We have one I of think. those here at um, Royal Oak Gym, and then yep. uh, Ron Partlow just bought one for his gym up in Vancouver which there I love Michigan, those man
1: Michigan must have a lot of them because reps gym in Plainwell tiny little gym or tiny little city between Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids yeah. has the old school one as well there's a lot of drag because it's chain driven yeah. but it's it's just awesome the way that it mm. was made it just Nautilus had it right years and years ago mechanically but I wish they could, uh, somebody
0: I wish somebody would replicate that with the chains mm-hmm exactly dude I'd spend yep. extra you know what I mean like it would have to be an expensive piece you know what yep. I mean the
1: hammer strength one though at Armbrust Pro Gym with the foot lever it is pretty damn good it's about as close as you can get to the original Nautilus and there's no drag because it's plate loaded oh yeah uh, but the hammer strength also makes the other dumbbell or other machine pullover that doesn't have the foot lever and the stretch just it isn't there and if you don't have the stretch I think the pullover is useless. I think mm-hmm. the the what you get out of it diminishes um, significantly to the point where we have one at my current home gym, and I I don't use. I've used it twice just to see if I could try to make it work to get a better stretch, and because it doesn't have that foot lever, it doesn't work. But dumbbell pullovers are great if they're done correctly for back width.
0: I like dumbbell pullovers. I did those because training with Shelby that John Meadows had those like in every plan, basically like yeah. every single workout ended. And because, you know, with, with mountain dog training, there's, you know, different elements to the training and that last element being a stretch. And so he would always have those in and that would be the focus was the stretch. I think that they really do make a difference. I yep. will tell you this though. I feel like, I feel like I loaded my triceps with that too, that I feel like my triceps grew from back day because of the dumbbell pullover.
2: You're bending well, your
1: elbows a I was just going to say, you're doing them wrong. That's why. And I I drive this into the heads of my clients when I show them how to do it. If you go too heavy on it and that dumbbell ends up behind your head, mm-hmm. it's there's too much movement at the elbow. It should be not stiff arm, but it should be pretty close to it. Go stiff arm first with a lightweight, and then when you're stiff arm, barely bend your elbow, and that's where you want it to be. I tell my clients, when you're lying down, push the dumbbell up over your head in a stretch position Mm -hmm. as far as is comfortable. That way, it keeps them from letting that dumbbell come down and bend at the elbow more behind their head because you will. And why do the triceps, why do you feel them? Because the long head of the tricep attaches at the scapula. Yeah. So... You're there's no way around it. You're not going to eliminate the tricep work because it's a stabilizer, if nothing else. Even if you don't, yeah. you know, you keep that slight bend in your elbow, but you don't move it from there. You still have it stabilizing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm so not I'm not complaining. You know what I mean? It right. was a limiting factor, though, if, it, if it early on and I'd be like, oh, man, my triceps are fatiguing. You like you have to you have to play with it, you know, a mm-hmm. little bit, which I don't think I had to do that so much with like. You know, I've also done like the cable pullover. You can use a rope attachment. I like that one. Um, one of our listeners threw in uh, Jan. He says, um, "I always thought that it was a back exercise, but I've heard some people say it's a chest exercise." Oh, I yeah. love that. I've never had that.
2: it work for my chest. No,
0: it. Oh, I had yeah.
1: a client ask me that the other day, and I'm still surprised that there are people that will consider it a, a chest movement. And sometimes those people who use it as a chest movement, on rare occasions are well-known pros with Olympia titles behind them. And it's awful hard to talk a client out of something that someone said who is ginormous and has Mr. Olympia in their title. Um, But the only way that you could do that mechanically to make your chest really – is the elbows have to be flared real wide. You do want to keep the elbows in – as comfortably close together as possible to hit the back more because as they flare out you'll get more pec minor involvement you know if you train if you do if you train back the day after chest, you're probably going to feel your chest a little bit more because it'll be sore the chest the pec minor still has to still has to work in a pullover but to say it's a prime mover or that it's taking the brunt of the exercise yeah i don't see that as even being close hmm
2: um. Yeah, you probably hit your triceps too, Scott. Because when you bring the dumbbell back over, you hold it up over your chest with your triceps mm. instead of concentrating on your lats. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. We would That's actually,
2: good. we would, we would stop when you'd feel it coming off
0: of the lats. Yeah. You know, bring yeah. it up, and as you could feel, and you could feel it too, as you're bringing that weight up, you can feel it coming off of the lat, and as at that shift, you just go right back down into the negative. So. Yeah. Yeah. And one
1: more thing to add, if you're going to do dumbbell pullovers on a bench two actually don't do them cross bench, do them lying the full length of the bench. Yes. The main, the main reason is one side could be higher, or lower than the other. Plus, you don't want your hips below your shoulders. It puts your shoulders in a terrible, terrible position. Huh. And I, this way, if you're on long ways on a bench, your hips cannot be lower than your shoulders. There's no way to do that. Number two is the um, the. Uh, Well, the amount of weight, if someone if a client comes to me and says they're doing 120 pound dumbbell pullovers right away, I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably more of a tricep extension (laughs) than it is a a back movement. Um, And it just came back to me. The other thing is this. It's important at the top when you're holding the dumbbell over your chest and you're going back in, you want to basically in your mind or not just in your mind, but physically too, be doing a lat spread before you don't want your shoulders your mm. shoulder blades retracted very mm. much you want them wide and open
0: yeah yeah that makes sense scott anything you want to throw in here on uh exercises people should be doing but aren't before we move on to our listener questions no
2: good
0: and
1: i just want to point out too jan did not hit the fast forward button because he responded a couple times online so Yan. not him
0: We did have, uh, who was that? Matt Marshall suggested Kegels as uh, an Uh exercise that everybody should be doing. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Well played,
1: Matt. Well played.
0: No kidding. All right. Uh, Well, for uh, everybody who is watching the YouTube, we're going to go to quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we will get right into listener questions. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, truenutrition.com, for making this all possible. truenutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, truenutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code, advices, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program.
2: As Jump as back, coach. Last week.
0: All right, guys, we are back, blood, sweat, and gear with Skip Hill and S two H. Um, I'm excited because we're at we're talking training, and sometimes when we talk training, I feel like we all get really excited about training talk. Versus, like, I know that both of you roll your eyes when we get asked questions about trend for instance because <laughs> you guys did uh, ped radio for a few years before we even got started we've done this show for four years i think now something like that it's a really? long time it's a lot of trend questions yeah
1: we're coming up on our 100th episode here soon
0: yeah and what we only do we it on now? 95, 6? 94, something like that. 94?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we only do this every other week, so that's been 200 weeks. It's a long yeah. time. I've been doing it. I started Actually, it when I was
2: 14. So, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's. Thir- Wait a minute. So, that's 26 episodes a year. Yeah. yeah, but we haven't done one. We've missed a few, too. There is that. You know, I've missed a few. I apologize to my fan base of three people. That's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well let's get to our listener questions anybody who wants to ask any questions go ahead and throw them up in the live feed here um okay this one's kind of this is like coaching based so we have a lot of people that watch that are bodybuilders fitness people but they're also coaching people too uh this is from travis james would love skips insight on exercises. oh wait, no this isn't it yeah Uh, Insight and experience on this best ways of handling rude or slightly arrogant and ungrateful clients, Bite your tongue or take uh, and take their money to avoid conflict uh, or or move them on. Uh,
1: That's a good question. I'll tell you what, I think it's going to be different based on the trainer. And where they are. Here's an example. If you just started out, and I'll use myself as an example. When I first started out, I put up with a lot of shit that I would bitch at my wife about and be like, oh, my God, I want to cut this motherfucker loose so bad. But these rotten ass kids need to eat and they need diapers. So I'm like, fuck. Yeah. But now hit the fucking road. Your Your money will be back in your PayPal account before I even tell you that I'm done. It's, it's non-negotiable at that point Because I'm a pretty patient guy I'm, yeah. I'm, I I'm fancy myself Relatively easy to work with I have a good rapport with my clients um, I'm not uh, Like I don't You know blow blow up about things I don't get I've been online not only training people online But online long enough that I don't hit the send button Until number one I'm not going to respond to anybody Whether it's after an article that I've written and I'm being trolled or a client who's upset with me until I can calm down if I am irritated and respond without emoting mm-hmm. basically and it's difficult to do sometimes but when I hit the send button it's I'm good with it I have no regret what did I say regrets or yeah <laughs> yeah <Grits. Grits. laughs> regrets but um I'm in a position where I don't have to I don't have to worry about that either. So it's a, it depends on where you are and, you know, how much of a pain in the ass is this person? I mean, is it going to be – is it something you can work through? Is it something you've tried to work through? Have you been, you know, open and honest or have you just been taking their shit? And if you're taking their shit and you set that precedence, well, you're probably going to have to continue to take that shit. Mm. There are some clients that I have said, okay, look, this is where we are. We have to get something figured out. You know, I, we can't, neither, neither one of us can continue, you know, to go like this. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And sometimes you have a good heart to heart. Everything is fine. Yeah. A lot of times what they do is they'll come back and they'll say, you know what? My bad. This is what's going on. And mm. then you have that connection with them where you go, oh shit, they just confided in you that, you know, they're, they're, uh-huh. they're arguing. COVID is a good example. I mean, people have been on edge and a lot of people still are on edge and they're reacting so much more impulsively. Than they than they would in years past. Yeah. So they could be going through a divorce. They could be having problems with their kids. They could be having financial problems. There are underlying, you know, every <laughs> in working with kids, for all the years that I did, you know, all behavior has meaning, and it may sound kind of soft and snowflakey and and that sort of thing, whatever you're, you you want to call it, but all behavior ha- has meaning there's a there's a reason for it it may not even necessarily be you mm. so talking about it figure it out if you can't move through it or you're you just simply don't want to because you've been battling with it and cut them loose just cut them loose
0: yeah i'd like to push this one further because i we could get into like telling stories but i oh, yeah. i think it would be probably we should probably get to some like actual bodybuilding stuff you know what i mean Okay. Um, yeah <laughs> jan just asked a question. He threw this up in the feed. Yeah, hey, I mean, he's still there. He's on fire yeah, today, yeah, too. Yeah.
2: yeah. He must be new. Yeah. <laughs> With a few
0: pros pulling out of shows recently, how hard are they pushing their health competing these days? I don't know. He might be talking about sure, sure. Fuad. He might be talking about Fuad because he just pulled out. I know he just did. I watched his podcast where he was talking about he's had kidney stuff going on and it looks like prepping you know, stressed that further, so he pulled out, but he already had a bunch of stuff going on, you know, going into this, and I don't know what he did recently, but i think I think it i believe don't quote me on this, I believe he pushed stuff harder in the past. I don't know are people i don't I don't know of a lot of pros that are pulling out for for health reasons um,
2: no I think mean, you know not that this is what happened to Fuad but you know, kidney problems are fairly prevalent in bodybuilding, and you know diuretics don't help your kidneys. Yeah. You don't need them, you know. So, people I've seen with kidney problems, you know, people blame other stuff, but generally, it's a, you'll if you'll find somebody with kidney problems. They'll sometimes have excessive diuretic use, and that's not just at showtime; it's year-round.
0: Dude, I knew a guy at my gym. Actually, I did an interview with him. Brought him on uh the show I did a podcast, we talked about his situation. But he never really ran a lot of gear. He'd run he'd run like two CCs of susten on for his off season. And then in the summertime he'd run a little bit less than that, and then he'd add in a little bit of trend. And it wasn't even a lot. It'd be like, you know, it, it maybe two hundred milligrams of trend, something like that. But he never knew anything about AIs. So he told me. And I I put this together later because he told me he was like yeah in the summertime I always use a little bit of a diuretic every day just to keep the water down you know yeah. and that's why when I'm shredding up I can I can look hard and I was like dude and I was like you know about what about a you know what about you know and he just he's like no he did this and so eventually though he you know he he changed that but anyway he wanted to get into the uh, into the police and he went to like the he went to do training and stuff and they. You know, uh, he did a physical to get into the police departments and stuff. And, uh, uh, they found out he had kidney damage. He had like 75% of his kidneys were destroyed. He had to come off. Oh, shit. Yeah. It was like 75, 80%. Like he had basically <clears throat> killed his kidneys. And, um, I think it was because of the diuretics, you know, they he was yeah. like, yeah, they blamed the steroids. They're like, yeah, these steroids are killing you. You know, uh, I don't know hypertension it,
1: too yeah and that's where i was gonna go I, look i'm not gonna say that diuretic use doesn't exacerbate yeah that was a rare case i kidneys. think that one you know
0: yeah, what i mean
1: I, and i i think it gets um it 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 diuretics get blamed i think for for more kidney problems than they actually cause but at the same time um especially in, in bodybuilding but at the same time, look, if you've got your guys, you know, the 212 guys do this a lot, they compete show after show. And they might do, you know, three, four, five shows over the course of, you know, five months. That's that's rough. In In men's bodybuilding, the extremes that are taken, even if you're conservative, you're taking a lot of. Uh, orals for a long period of time where you're on them off them on them off them on them off them You're going back and forth uh, the diuretic use and everything else. Those things can certainly exacerbate kidney issues, but I I really think that the mild hypertension mm-hmm. is more of a culprit because If you're even if you're not doing a ton of gear But your blood pressure is high because you carry a lot of size, you know these guys who get real big in the offseason season. And they've done this for years. I think that alone is horrible, whether you factor in the amount of steroids that they're using, um, diuretic use or anything else. They're already asking for problems with higher blood pressure. And diuretic use alone, even daily diuretic use of hydrochlorothiazide, it, it is used to bring down blood pressure, too, if the dosing is right and it's the right uh, compound to be used for that particular person that's mildly hypertensive. So I don't know. I mean, it's easy to say that, you know, your client, Scott, had those problems. Not my they client. Were,
0: just a bro in the gym. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay, sorry. But that it was exacerbated by the, the diuretic use. But I don't know. I don't know if he does either. Ooh, yeah. uh, so, or the doctors know if that's really what the issue is. He could have been mildly hypertensive for a long time. And over time, sure. hypertension, people don't take it serious. They don't give it up. It is slowly, it's like fast food on your heart. Over time, it's slowly killing, your, killing you, basically, but it's killing your kidneys.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one thing with hydrochlorothiazide is it for hypertension, <clears throat> because I have an issue where I, I'm prescribed a medication that has it in it. So when your, when your arteries and your, and your kidneys are narrowed, okay, so everything's getting blocked up, think of a dam, okay? The dam's not open, everything's not flushing through properly. So the hydrochlorothiazide opens those arteries to allow steady, normal flow through the kidneys and filtering. If you have normal kidney function and you're using a hydrochlorothiazide or something of that effect on a regular basis, you're actually opening the dam up more. You're you're, you're, you're letting the water, the you know, everything come through too quickly. And what happens there is that's where you can cause kidney damage because it's stretching those arteries too far open and everything's it, – it's – it's, all I can use is a damn theory. So you got little holes, and the holes start getting bigger and bigger, and then your flow and your filtering to the kidneys becomes uh, becomes too excessive. And that's where a lot of people run into kidney problems when they use diuretics a lot. And like Scott said, the people I've seen that have problems with them, it's generally they live in warmer climates. They probably go to the beach or whatever or the pool a lot and have their shirt off. So they like to take diuretics to get that water off their body to look tighter look look... You know just look drier at the pool and then you're also out in the sun so you're also dehydrating yourself with the sun and the elements and the heat and that's where i've seen people that have problems with kidneys mostly it's in, in warmer climates too hmm. so. now,
1: now coming back to the original question if pros these days are yeah. you know basically beating themselves up more internally than before um <clears throat> Yes and no. I mean, some people do and some people don't. I, I, we can't make a blanket statement about all pros because yeah. some are just more abusive than others. And, um, you know, there's a lot of factors there. There's personality, you know, issues and concerns, whether you have all your eggs in one basket. I mean, what does bodybuilding mean to you? Mm. And is it the only thing you have? Is do you, do you feel a lot of people feel like they're how well they do as a bodybuilder, especially when they're a pro or they're trying to turn pro? you know, directly affects their revenue stream in the industry because the large majority of people who are trying to turn pro are training people. So, and they're on Instagram and they're, you know, they have to be in shape all the time. So there's just a myriad of, of factors there. And I just, I don't think that I know I can't, I wouldn't be comfortable making the statement that yes, it's worse than it was before. I would like to think that it's not as bad because I think that we're in this, this phase now where people tend to take less shit than they need to, or that they, than they should, or that they feel they should, than they did say ten years ago. Hmm. But not everybody does that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And you got I mean, bodybuilding generally tends to attract people that are kind of obsessive, compulsive, mm-hmm. right? Um, um, maybe a little bit uh, uh, self-absorbed sometimes. Not everybody. You know, I don't want to generalize everybody in one pile, but if I think back to over the years, of all the people. I know that I have had health problems M- much vast majority of them were excessive users and they felt like I've got to take all this to, to look I have to look this good all the time and I have to keep right. getting better and I you know I'm uh, what's it called when you just when you when you're yeah, I mean I guess just social it's self-conscious just morph- sometimes yeah, it's yeah just, just morphia morph- body dysmorphia <laughs> that's exactly the word yeah the call, Skip. thank you so, yeah I mean I mean I can't really think of You know, over this long time, years, decades of people that I've had help. I mean, I've been in the same boat. I got in a boat one time where I thought, man, you just had to take everything under the sun and keep going. Because that's why, you you know, you stayed pumped, full, vascular, blah, blah, blah. And then you you realize, man, this isn't probably the best thing. And, uh, you know, hypertension, I had a lot of problems with hypertension. Even in good shape, I had hypertension. And uh, so, yeah, it was a concern.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's move on from this one. Uh, We have a question about. Knee sleeves and elbow wraps. I brought some. I brought some um, some things to demonstrate here. With check this out. I like this demonstrations. Do these look familiar, Scott? Oh uh, well, yeah. Scott sent these to me. And I've got. Well, then this he, one.
1: They should look familiar to him then.
0: When I got these, yeah. so the question is, um, what's your take on knee and elbow wraps? Um, when would you start using them, and any reason? why they should not be used
1: wraps or sleeves because i mean you've got sleeves and i know the question was wraps, wraps so. well i
0: think he just well, the means a wrap
2: sleeve combo yeah
0: i think he just means you know it just in general you know support well you want it, take it suh
2: okay i got some I'm stuff lead, to I'm a, that's why i'm, I'm I gonna approach it. this from from kind of two two angles one is i've always been a if you're gonna wear a belt always wear a belt guy um, and I kind of take that stance with with sleeves, and I'm talking about someone who doesn't have an injury, you know, sleeves, uh, knee wraps, and stuff. If you're going to wear them, wear them. If you're not, don't. The exception would be powerlifters who, you know, someone who benches 600 pounds at 135 to warm up, they're probably not going to put sleeves and wraps on. But as the weight gets to to a point where you know they're starting to get in, in that four rep range or th- five or six. It helps because in powerlifting, you're, a lot of times you're using sleeves and wraps to increase your lifts. It's giving you more support in the joint and you're able to lift more. Um, for bodybuilding, I usually tell people if you're going to wear them, wear them. If you're not, don't. Don't bounce around because let's say I go to the gym, I'm going to do squats and I wear a belt all the time and I forget my belt. Or I forget to put it on, you're more likely to get injured if you're bouncing back and forth between belts, squat, you know any kind of support support item. So if you're gonna wear it, wear it. If you're not, not.
0: Can I can't I, disagree with that. Can I split? Can I split it into two categories for you guys? Because that's why mm-hmm. I brought these. These are I just bought these. These are what I'm using right now, and these are like super thin. Like this is not supportive. This is just keeping my knee warm. Now these, yeah. I tore one of them, so I only have one left. The TK bands from Tommy Kono. These were these were just like a thick neoprene. When my knees had issues, these kept my knees so warm, but they don't give you any kind of bounce. Like these things, this thing is going to like increase my lifts. You know,
2: right. that's a power lift. Yeah, brace. it's
0: and it's too much for me. You know how often I wear these or never. Also, these don't really fit. I can't get them over my calves now. They, See, I don't consider those yeah. sleeves though;
2: they don't fit twenty-five inch calves. Yeah,
1: I don't consider those sleeves though because of the added um, locker I mean, things. You're, yeah. They're adding the wrap there. They're a, you're adding that support, um, but that's a good question. Uh, the neoprene, I think, is better for warmth. And you're right; you're not going to get that as much compression out of it. So there are different levels of compression, especially when you use something, um, use a good quality wrap or sleeve, like, say, from Elite FTS. Yes. I didn't have I didn't have mine to show you right now or show the viewers, but I wanted to make sure I got that in there because they make quality shit. See, so tell them Skip uh, sent
0: you if you shop there that's, somehow.
1: That's absolutely true. So d- tell Dave or Tracy that Skip sent you. I need all the brownie points I can get right now. Um, but the I'm a big believer in, in both. I don't use wraps as much as I use sleeves, but I won't train legs with my knees without without sleeves i just won't um i like a combination of both to be honest with you it may not be neoprene but i want to make sure that i am getting some warmth because compression in of itself will give you a little bit of warmth not as much as neoprene um and neoprene is kind of funny because once you get it on and you start sweating good luck getting them sons of bitches off if they fit the way they're supposed to they're like glued to your leg you literally have to roll them down inside out to get them to get them off and even then they're a giant pain in the ass and i've tried them over my sweats bare skin everything else bare skin i think is is better because they don't tend to move as much Mm -hmm. and uh but they're easier to get up get on and off if you have to take them on and off in between sets put them on over compression tights Mm -hmm. or sweats because then you can get them up and down i think that there's a that the best scenario is They're as tight as you can get them to be able to leave them on between sets, but not uncomfortable because if you have to take them off, then they could be too tight. And getting the sizing, let me tell you, it is a bitch because even when i get my sleeves if i change the type of sleeve i'll get two or three of them because damn it if they never show up and they're exactly the fit that i'm looking for and i end up having to send them back yeah so what i do is i'll get two or three of them because they're not very expensive and then i will give away the ones that don't fit to people at the gym kind of like i'm oprah when i walk into the gym sometimes you get some knee sleeves you get some knee sleeves so that's what oprah does
0: so what about actually let's talk going to wraps let's go to like actual hardcore like you know um knee wraps that you would use like i mean i've even seen there's even different qualities of those like if you go to elite even sleeves like they have powerlifting sleeves that have like a lot of bounce to them you know and uh what about what about like uh, the actual hardcore powerlifting knee wraps? Is there a place for those in bodybuilding?
1: The the ones that Yeah, exactly. But the ones that don't stretch and I I wonder what S2H thinks about this. I've tried the ones that literally It's like a cast. I swear it's like they don't yeah, like they don't fucking stretch, man, and I hate them. They're painful. Yeah. They don't I ones that will be able to give they they're they're very stretchy so they're kind of like the what power lifters or elite fts considers more entry level Mm -hmm. but i think that's i think that type of wrap is better for bodybuilders than it is when you get into the ones that just don't give very much i can't even imagine that pain (laughs) when you're in the hole because you're literally fighting that material that doesn't want to doesn't want to give i mm-hmm. ooh, god damn man and and they don't wrap for shit you got to get them things so freaking long so i like more of the entry level the ones that you can literally take and you know you can stretch them not the ones that you go like this you're like oh my god that motherfucker doesn't even move
2: yeah so yeah, that knee wraps i like the old harbingers the ones that you can move a little bit you know and you gotta the thing about knee wraps is you gotta wrap them right mm, right direction yeah. you know everyone's a little different you know i always liked my uh, the kneecap slightly exposed. Okay, and that's and how then, I am as well. And then I would acti- I would start to wrap high on the calf, low on the hamstring, but then bring the last, like, three wraps behind my knee because mm-hmm. it causes a wedge when you squat. And so there's there's some tricks to it to give yourself more support and a little more pop out of the hole. Um, but I would say uh, the ones that skips on it, the really hard ones, I never liked those. I mean, I use those Harbingers, the ones that have the pads in them, but those are elbow and wrist wraps, hmm. and they're a little different. But on the knees, I like the the ones that – I don't want to call them ace bandages, but, you know, they've got a little more play in them, and they're thinner. And
1: I do like, I do like them for the elbow. I think sleeves for the elbow. I use them quite a bit. Uh, another thing that I've done, too, and this may help people, but I use them primarily for warmth uh-huh. first – And then support second when it comes to the elbow and another thing that i've done too that may help other people is because i can't go in and just start training triceps cold it'll take me half of my tricep workout to actually get my elbows to the point that okay they feel warm and i don't feel that they're vulnerable now so i train biceps first for that reason and then when i get to triceps then they're relatively warm from the blood being in that area and it takes two or three sets of warm-ups and i can go straight into shit that otherwise i can't go into if i just walk into the gym and start doing triceps but i do think elbow sleeves are great i've taken my my knee sleeves and used them as elbow sleeves Hmm. (laughs) because my forearms are a little bit bigger than the average person i always said if i could get my everything else to be in the same condition and the same size from you know like development from a from a like a racial standpoint, as my forearms and my calves, I'd be a bad motherfucker, but I don't have that. So, But they they do. My, my knee wraps work great for, for elbow wraps. And you got to be careful, too, because if you're using neoprene, using two hands to get them up your legs, to get them on your knees, no problem. Getting them on your elbows or getting them up to your elbows yeah. by yourself, good luck. That's never going to happen.
2: Well, you can pull them on backward, inside yes. out. Yes. So yes. Pull what would be the bottom up, and then you wrap it over the top. Like, if you've got sure. calves like Scott, can That's you, what you what I have these sleeves you can get over your calves?
0: Yeah, I have to. I put them on upside down and backwards. And then I flip them. And then them. pull them up over. Yeah. yeah. But with these I don't, because yeah. these are just these are like super elasticy. So that's the only mm. thing I use knee sleeves for now is just because just to keep my knees warm. And these things are so yeah. absolutely thin. These were $15. And that's all they're there for, is just for like a little bit of added warmth. I mean, they're they're like, I can't explain how super thin they are, but they're mm. that's all I want nowadays. I used to depend on sleeves. I had I had the the TK bands and then after that, after the one ripped, I had a pair from, uh, they they called them Iron Rebel Sport because they had the sport and then they had like the hardcore powerlifting ones that were more intense. And then I I wore those religiously for every leg workout. I wouldn't leave them. I wouldn't forget them, you know, either that or then I wouldn't train legs. And then uh, I left them in a crazy girl's car in Portland (laughs) and got on a plane as quick as I could. And I never wore. We who that is. (laughs) And I never, I never wore. She still may have them. I don't know. But I left them in the car, and they're there along with a belt too. You can keep the belt, Lindsay. Uh, And now I just. She's probably got them all laid out next to candles and a picture of you. I yeah. I happen to. I don't think so, but. (laughs) But nonetheless, though, I got home. I'll text her and find out. I got home and I was like, I was like, holy shit. What am I gonna do without my knee sleeves? You know, and then guess what? I started training, and and it, it and eventually I got used to it, and I'm, I'm I've been good ever since. And I don't want to go to anything too, because I don't need it. I don't want I don't want to put anything on them that's like too resistant, because I don't want to. I don't want to depend on them if I don't have to. I guess you know.
2: Right, exactly. I mean, those are like just, just little warm up sleeves, almost that you have. You should wear leg warmers, like Richard Simmons. Yes, on your calves. Your yeah. <laughs> <look dance>. cool. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> the other thing, though, too, that I think the viewers need to know is the: if you're going to wear them, you'll know, say you have a bad knee. Do not wear them on one knee Ooh. only. Oh, come on now! Even if you have a good knee, just use both of them. You don't want to give support on one side That's and not point. the other because everything starts at the foot. And the ankle, and it goes to the knee, and then it goes to the lower back. And I'm telling you, you're asking for problems down the line if that's the case.
2: And your good knee will become your bad knee. Exactly. Exactly.
0: All right. What else do we have here? Um, Go to an insulin question from Matt. He says, insulin timing, how not to get fat, what are the best nutrients to take in while using insulin? Matt's my client now, so he's a new client. He's not using insulin, right, Matt? Just making, <laughs> just, just, making sure. Just what making sure. a kind of insulin?
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. It, yeah, his name when he asked the question was, this is not Matt, Scott's client. <laughs> this is not Matt that knows not Scott. <laughs> Yeah, what uh like Scott was saying, does it does it matter what type of I mean, I guess it depends on when he's taking it, but I mean, nutrients, nutri- what does he mean by nutrients? I mean, obviously you got to have your carbs and you know if you're taking it pre workout, then it's going to be a little bit different. Look, if you don't want to get fat, uh don't use insulin. <laughs> That's number one.
2: Don't take a lot of insulin and eat a lot too much with it.
1: Yeah, if but if you have a propensity to be more of an endo Mm. and you store fat easily. Yeah, you, know, you have to be much more careful than the, you know, the ecto-meso guy who stays relatively lean yeah. and, you know, may have to push a ton of calories anyway just to push his weight up. So, it depends on the timing before and after. I mean, it, I've said numerous times that there are a lot of people including myself who got fat using post-workout insulin, but when I moved it to pre-workout, it was great. And I didn't gain body fat that way. So it depends on the timing, too. it depends on dosage, depends on the rest of your diet. I mean, I, you know, I hate to say this again, and I know they hate this when we, but there's so many variables that answering that question is incredibly difficult to do. Well, how about this? I, I would say in oh, general,
2: fine. in general, one of the things that people get fat on insulin is they just take in way too many carbs. They're trying to c- cover the insulin right. like, excessively. Yeah. You know, they think, oh, I, I'm okay. I need to have this many grams per IUs or whatever and then they just get concerned that they're they're going to go hypo or something's going to happen and they start just pouring carbs on top of it and that that's usually how you get fat on yep. insulin yeah.
0: what about now the, if you go back to the boards they always said don't use uh, don't use dietary fats while you're on the insulin you're just going to shuttle those dietary fats into fat storage now I, I know I believe I've heard it said that yeah technically you can so there is some truth to that but in my experience I didn't get any fatter. In fact, in fact if I made sure that I took all the dietary fats, I kept them very low, I had a hard time growing because I didn't have enough fats in my diet and I needed that because I was I'm not so much anymore like my body has really changed in the last 5 years, but I used to be like a really like hard gainer, you know. And if I didn't have those
2: fats, like even with the insulin, I'm like still getting leaner every week.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: So there's a there's a coach that some people would know that I know that this is several years ago. Maybe I helped him tool around with this, this, uh, this protocol, but using fats instead of carbs to load on insulin. And then and then and also using, you know, uh, branch chain essential amino acids to do it. And at first, I was like, the fat thing. I kind of like, okay, I can see that. The other one, I was like, eh. but actually, he figured it out to where it actually, either way, it worked pretty good. But the thing is, if you have a bunch of carbs in your diet, it's not going to work. So, and I also think, you know, from what I saw, if you are a person that struggles with, you know, maybe higher blood glucose levels naturally, it's a, you start dicing down a little bit of of a, of a slippery slope. But it actually worked okay. This is quite a few years ago, but um, maybe somebody that looked like me was his test dummy. And uh, I would say uh, it's, it's, it's more doable than you think it would be. But if you have a lot of fat and you have a lot of carbs, then you're just going down the same road as even taking a lot more carbs gotcha. a lot of times.
1: Okay. Yeah, I've said I've said for years that the insulin, the relationship between insulin and fat intake, is highly overrated. Highly overrated in the sense that, oh my God, you just can't have any fat in there; you're going to get fat. That has I've never once myself personally seen that happen. Now I haven't loaded up on fats, but at the same time, it's kind of like skip loading with adding the fat in with the carbs, everybody freaks out and says, oh my gosh, you know, that's going to make you – it doesn't – it just doesn't work that way. I think really – it, it's hard to explain because I don't know how to explain it on the cellular level why it why it doesn't pan out that you store body fat as fat or more are more likely to um, or where that even came from. But if you have fat instead of carbs, obviously carbs are what your body is looking for to balance – Or to control or counter, I guess is a better word, the insulin. So you do have to have enough carbs. I mean, that's just those two work together. But the added fat being stored, I've just shown over and over so many fucking times Hmm. that added fat doesn't do that. And when you're talking about adding fat, you're actually talking about the window of time. Yeah. You're not talking about like earlier in the day or later in the day. And I have not seen anything that says you're going to get fat. And be and store added body. You'll store added calories just like anybody else will. But no, have not have okay. not seen that. Now I'm not telling people to load up. I don't want anybody to think I'm giving the implication that you need to load up on fat. Yeah. All I'm saying is I it is just overrated in the sense that you don't have to be like oh my god maybe I had you know 10 grams of fat too much that I wasn't supposed to. Now no it just no it doesn't it doesn't work that way it doesn't do that
0: yeah. Yeah, so he's asking uh, insulin timing, how to not get fat, what are the best nutrients to take in? I think the insulin timing. So, back to that, and you guys have said this every time we've talked about this, I think it's always been too. People were probably getting fatter in the days when people were using insulin every day, you know, versus intermittently.
2: Yeah, yeah, they were using Humalog, they were using Humulin R during the day, and they were using Lantus, and they had this big pile of insulin, different types of insulin. That that was probably problematic. For well,
1: and not of, not only that too, but thinking, well, wow, I got it, the more the more the better. Yeah, it, insulin doesn't. It, that's not how it works. It. It shouldn't be looked at like that. It's not. Well, I I've tolerated this, so now I can go higher. I've tolerated that, so now I can go higher. You don't need a shit ton of insulin. So it, coming back to the question of of him saying what the best timing is and things like, you're less likely to get fat if you use a pre workout. You're less likely to get fat if you're using it with growth hormone. You're less likely to get fat if you don't stick with that archaic or antiquated approach of X amount of carbs, Mm. you know, that X amount of carbs per unit of insulin, that was so overkill. I mean, you could take three or four units of insulin and your body should be able to cover that, even if you're fasted. You don't need carbs for three or four, typically. That said, Most people do not need that.
0: I think people, I think that that was promoted because they were trying to be really careful. it got
2: parroted on the internet and it became like, it became like, the golden standard, but Absolutely. I would tell people, hey, you don't need that many carbs. And if you're that worried about it, and you're going pre-workout, just carry some glucose tabs on you. If you start taking the deep dive, pop one, you know, and then you can find. And most people found where oh, they were taking half that many carbs in, and they were fine. Again, mm. but if you have blood sugar problems and be prior, that, especially people who have a long history of drinking, mm. you 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 know you might dance with the devil a little more. But yeah, just, I mean, carry a couple of glucose tabs, kind of work, kind of just start bringing it down a little bit. You know, if you start to to start, you know, feeling a little <sighs> shitty, then you go. got it right there in your bag or whatever. And, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that that re- I don't even remember what the recommended one was, but it, it was probably twice as much. It was 10, was 10, grams, 10 grams per carbs. one unit. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's probably yep. at least twice as much, if not a little bit more for some people to know what they really needed. Right.
0: How about yeah. uh, should an endo avoid insulin?
1: For the most part, I say yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Unless you get the, take that endo and you're really fucking lean. Because the other thing is, is how are you going to gauge whether you're gaining body fat? Are you going to go by the scale? You can't do that. Mm, yeah. You, visually, the leaner you are, you're going to be able to see changes in your condition much better or growth. Not just not just body fat accumulation, but growth as well if you're leaner. So you're better off being leaner if you're going to use insulin. The other thing, too, is, is if you're going to um, approach insulin use with um and we we're just talking about this um with the the dosage so i'm gonna i'll come back to it because i there was two part and i don't want to go at it without the other part so let's let's let me sit on it okay. and if we get off the topic i'll come back later and i'll post it on the page but there was another part that i gotta come back to so go ahead
0: all right we're moving on We can move on? Yeah. yeah, Okay.
1: okay. Unless you have anything to add.
0: No. Does does DECA really help with joints and tendons, or is this a myth? If so, how does it work to help with them and the dosage that you all would recommend uh, just for joint and tendons uh, to go along with TRT?
2: So DECA, most people retain water on it because the kind of steroid it is. So when you have water in your joints, they're going to feel a little better. But I don't think DECA itself per se is is any different than any other. So, you know, it's not the actual DECA. It may be the uh, – was it secondary result of water retention? But, dude, I can tell you this. I used to have joint problems, took DECA to any shit for me. So I think sometimes it's psychological too.
1: Well, I know there's the collagen component and everything else, but I've also seen – um, studies where it said that EQ is no more or less um, yeah. that it contributes almost, you know, very comparably to DECA when it comes to collagen. So I look, I've never taken. I'm I'm the same way you are, Scott. S 2 H. I mean, I, it. It, i've had joint problems on deca i've had joint problems on eq or joint pain i don't see that it has helped much i've had other people i've had clients say you know i've used uh, i started 200 milligram or even 150 milligram a week just added to their regular cycle and that they felt like it helped them i can't say that it didn't <clears throat> because i'm not them but you do have to wonder is there a is there a placebo effect? Does it help? Does it just not help me? Um, to what degree is the joint pain? Is it is it minor? Is it I, I can't say definitively.
2: Yeah, and it's like growth. A lot of people say they get joint pain on growth. Growth helps my joint pain. Hmm. So you know, I think it's a part it can be person dependent, but yeah, yeah, I think it's more placebo. That was the word I was looking for. You now I know people that are like oh my my knees are killing me, and they take Daca for like a week, and they're like oh I'm all better. Like, Huh?
1: well, and what's funny yeah. is I've taken you know I've had knee pain in the past and used um, uh, OTC supplement. How do you say it? Bas- 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 Baswala? Bas- uh, Baswala. Thank you, Baswala extract. And I mean, wipe it out like you're erasing chalk from a chalkboard, yeah. and then run out of it. And a, a week and a half or two weeks after running out of it, going, oh, I'll get more. My knees start hurting again. Get more and it goes away. Hmm. And then I come back to it two years later and don't notice a damn thing.
2: Hmm. I, I have something on my knee right now. From I use these. Uh, like uh, I don't use them all the time, but these little lidocaine patches the doctor gives me. Man, these things work great. I put them on my lower back. Yeah. I got one on the back of my knee right now because it gets real stiff when I run around a lot. Hmm. And uh, But you got to be careful with them because it's not just lidocaine there. I mean, there's no opioid or anything like that. They're just standard. Lidochemia, they have some, uh, i figure what's in them. They have a couple of minerals, and they have some, some B-type vitamins and stuff. But if you wear them all the time, you'll start being kind of dark. So that's probably not a good thing. And uh, they work pretty good. Huh. Kind of dark? What do you mean? Like your urine gets a little colored. Oh,
0: wow. I'm looking at a study. Um, I think I was going to talk about this with Dave Crossland, but they, they were basically concluding that Nandrolone helps with joint pain and there was a bunch of people reporting that it, it did help. Um but you know, yeah, I agree with you guys. I've heard it. I, and it does. It it increases collagen synthesis, right? By some great total. Three hundred percent or something. Some of the
2: studies say yeah, yeah. yeah. Same
0: with DECA, I mean same with EQ and same with uh same with Anivar. You know, so
2: remember this too. Some of these studies, if you look into them, and I'm not saying all the DECA ones and the EQ ones I know a lot of them are, they're in Horses, so that they're in animals, they're this not is, always in humans. Yeah, this one that humans. just came out was in humans.
0: humans, um, but yeah,
2: I don't know. The, the EQ ones are mostly on horses, is oh, EQ, yeah, yeah.
0: That boss so that's equine. in uh, that's in the uh, um, JFlex, that's one of the components mm-hmm. of okay. JFlex from our sponsor, True Nutrition.
2: Hey, I'll, uh, Nutrition. Nutrition. Nutrition.
0: Nutrition. I'll use this as an opportunity to go back to my question about back. So is there a difference between back width exercises and back, <laughs> back thickness exercises? Because I've heard people say no. And I, specifically, it was Dave It was like, they are all, and I'll, I'll, I'll do my best impression of Dave, they are all the same. You know, (laughs) if you're doing a pull down, it's not just working the width of your back; it's working your entire
1: back. He'd say something like that. He and I have argued. I'm I'm with him. I say the same thing. I'll tell you why. I've tried to explain it as simply as possible. You you can't get a muscle to grow in one direction; it grows in all different directions. You have your, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to do lat pulls only? Hit. One area that they don't. They may, you may feel it more there and everything, but the reality is is that muscle has to grow in every fucking direction. It's not going to get just wider or just thicker. As you get thicker, and this is why I almost brought this up when you were talking about the thickness earlier, Mm -hmm. with you said you were thicker but not wider. I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you in the sense that, you know, I'm not going to tell you you didn't get wider, but if you get, if a muscle grows and you get thicker, you had to be wider. What if it's just hitting it your just rhomboids? Well may not.
2: Well, well, but that's that's but a lot not, of thickness because it's in the middle.
1: Right. But it's not just That's the thing. It's still hitting your entire back. There may be more focus in that area, but it also depends on how you do it. Are you – when you row, some people when they do barbell rows, they don't open up their scapula. It, they stay tight in the stretch – what looks like the stretch position. Hmm. I think a lot of it comes down to uh, – same thing with um, – Chins or lap poles. Are you allowing your scapula to open? Those types of things will help to contribute to the range of motion of the scapula. Mine, I always laugh and say when I trained my wife, I hated it because her scapula—you would see them come out and they would open up on every rep. And Mm -hmm. in mine, they just fucking don't move. It's like they're cemented or chained to my spine or something. From the stretch position, I don't even have that big round where the scapula come out. No, that doesn't happen. So. I was looking at this early on going, my God, you know, I've always had a relatively narrow back because I have narrow clavicles. So I have to come up with things that the average person doesn't to try to get back, back more back width or my back to widen up. And that's when I started doing things like I'm thinking, wow, I'm my back is growing, but I'm doing more rows. Wow. These pullovers are really helping. I've in my personal experience, pullovers have been more beneficial for me for upper back width. Yeah. Than doing any lat pull or chin I've ever done in my life. Okay. Yeah. And I am a stickler for form. So I'm making sure that it's full stretch and I'm exaggerating the stretch using hammer, isolateral, you know, one at a time so I can stretch the shit out. Pullovers work twice as well for me. And especially when it comes to feel, that fucking area of my back pumps up so much. It's like, oh my God, I've never felt this wide. And I look at myself in the mirror and go, you're not
2: wide so <laughs> that's- well, it, a lot of it's structural like you said because okay if you take somebody like me I'm pretty short like all of us but I got a pretty thick back but if I stand next to somebody who's 6'5 and I'm 5'9 and they're broad shouldered clavicles are wide they're going to have a wider back because they're structurally just a wider person via their structure but that doesn't mean thickness you know then you can you know I think the thickness part you can train more than you can train but the width part you're kind of you got what you got i mean the back grows it gets a little bit wider but look at dorn yates okay probably arguably one of the best backs in bodybuilding okay he's not super tall now if you look at his back he's got really th- he had or price still i mean he's not as big now as he used to be but you know he has very thick rhomboids you know and on his for i mean i've met him his height he's a little he's taller than i am but he's pretty broad structurally for a guy, his height. So his back looks wider or get, you know, it it is wider just based off his structure. Yeah. Um, For me, there's other bodybuilders like that, but you know,
0: for me, I've just had a hard time activating my, my lats that the rhomboids have taken, I think like a, a lot of the blunt of the load in a lot of my movements and that the lats haven't activated as well. And that when you look at it, I'll show you pictures later, but if you, when you look at it, to me, I'm seeing that the lats don't seem to have, you know, filled out as much. And, and I'm not saying it's not, I don't know. I just, I just, whatever I'm doing, I'm not activating everything equally. I, I can
2: Keep tell you Keep doing that more. exercise you're talking about, down towards the navel. Yeah, that's new. Away from the body. My wife's. you know, she's been training longer than Skip. And that's an exercise she's big on for her clients that are back. A lot of people think they got to go wide with their hands to get their back wider. Yeah, and you know what's a great one is just chins. A narrow shoulder width chin. Yeah, works well.
1: I said before, I've, and I can, will continue to say the shoulder width is better for range of motion hmm. than going too wide. It didn't help when Arnold used to espouse the wide grip for a wide back.
2: He was wide,
1: but it would help pull your scapula apart if your scapula were made to come apart like that hmm. and round out, and you'd have the scapula coming out to the side. Sure. But still, that limits the range of motion. So the other argument that I have is this. When we say that we want to develop lats, I mean, let's just take it literally and specifically. to If you're going to really work on your lats, how much is that the lat itself going to make your back wider under the armpit? Think about it. The lats aren't on the top of the back. You're not really widening. When you go for width, where do you look at the back? You look at it below, basically around the shoulder blade, below the rear delt, under the armpit. You don't look at the lat itself.
0: Hmm.
1: Lat development really doesn't add a ton. Not the movements. I, I'm, the movements may help, but the actual lat development really doesn't widen the back where we all look for a wide back up around the shoulder blades below and around the armpit so hmm you know what i mean it's just it's it's kind of food for thought
2: and also i'd say that for appearance wise for a wider back you have to have pretty good rear deltoids a good rounded rear deltoid will make give you a better appearance from the rear than if you have shallow rear deltoids or not as good development Absolutely. I agree with that,
1: but I, that's where it comes back to total back development. Yeah. You know, if you have, are you going to, do you ever see someone with really thick rhomboids, but then you may see them with weak lats, but they're not typically Hour lifters. not wide. They're fucking wide. The more, you know, if you grow your rhomboids and your middle traps big, it's almost like, and I mean, I'm oversimplifying, but from a visual standpoint, it's almost like it pushes everything else out wider from there. <laughs> Yeah. Is 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 Dusty known for doing lat pulls and chins? No, he's known for doing deads and fucking heavy ass rows. And I am sorry, but if you have never seen that guy's back from the back, you got an with that back. Weight, it's incredible. Yeah, and it's not like when he started, you went, "Yeah, he's gonna have an enormous yeah. mass back." No, yeah. you didn't look at it from a like that from a structural standpoint.
2: Yeah. but he also uses pretty good form too, even with a lot of weight. A lot he of them. Get, he doesn't get fl- flying himself all over the place, throwing his hips and everything. Right. He stays pretty solid in his form. That's important. Because a lot of people when they do bent over rows and they get heavy, man, they are throwing themselves. It's like a it looks like a slinky going back and forth.
1: Now I've seen him start to get loose on his heavier ones, like when he was rowing five hundred pounds a week ago. And there were more than a couple people who said, Oh my goodness, those aren't very tight. Aren't very tight. They're five hundred pound yeah. rows, for fuck's sake. And if you take him over time or you go back two weeks he was doing them with 450 or 425 and they were rock solid and picture perfect so you know him breaking form every now and then to get another 50 pounds on the bar and then standing up without putting the weight down to get a couple breaths how you breathe holding 500 pounds still in your hands and bend over and do a couple more partials i'm gonna clap for you motherfucker because that is some intense shit
2: yeah yeah
1: you know i'm not gonna go well, you know, he was kind of herky-jerky. You, a little yeah, bit.
2: you moved your hips. The thing key with it is not moving your hips forward too much. You know, you don't want to just, like, pump your hips forward and back, and that's where a lot of people get injury problems. They start sliding their hips underneath them like a squat, and then they push them back out when they bring the weight up.
1: Yeah, if you're going to drive, if you use a no. hip drive or leg drive, okay, great. I'm not going to take anything. Okay, good for you. All right, let's not get
0: too far off topic there. But yeah, I I think it's just that my lats haven't gotten the same level of development that the inner back had. But I do think that new pull down I'm doing has made, because I feel it now. I feel it in a way that I hadn't felt it before. And it's gotten better. It's gotten better over the last few years trying to. But see, that's what I'm saying, though. I feel like, so to me, it's like I'm working on an exercise. I do feel like if the rhomboids are, they push out, my lower back looks thick. Like I've got a really thick lower back, but then
2: the sides just didn't match that. Yeah. So I do feel like you're so doing you're doing good, man. I look yeah. at your pictures on Instagram. Like, is this the same guy I've known for so many years? He's like, he's got. If you're seeing him, he's got the perfect little quarter turn. He's stands <laughs> in the pictures. I'm like, I was at, He had some pictures the the day. I'm like, Jesus, he's like fifty pounds head. I mean, it's like, I mean, not like I fought like ogle over his pictures but yeah I look right. Page, right. and right i'm like no. this guy's like 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 growing man and i'm like this i mean he's standing next to big dudes that i know are big and it's like fuck, mcnally's as big as they are if not bigger no. than some but i think he's got that little quarter turn yeah. figured out
0: <laughs> i don't i don't i i was telling scott before the show i tried to not out angle people now my goal is to let them take the angle because i don't even want to be you know what i mean but that's a whole. That's that's yet another topic. That's yet another. As, topic. Long,
1: as long as you pull the knee up and you go on your toe or on the balls of your foot, like a figure competitor. Oh yeah. Then then you're good. You're fine.
2: Oh, he's got it figured out. I, I asked him if he was studying it in the mirror. He was, oh, oh, I didn't do that. I got all defensive, and I was like, no, I'd never do that. It's like when I take a picture, I stick my face out so I look thinner. (laughs) (laughs) Take that
1: high angle looking down. Yeah, selfies from the top. My
2: neck's out like this.
0: Um, All right, what else do we have left here? Oh, I have have several female clients uh, that have loose skin through their midsections post-childbirth. Um, some have had it for years, even through dieting and training any advices. And I asked, uh, I asked, I was like, are these people competitors? Have they gotten into contest shape and still have it? And he said, no, they're basically housewives.
2: Uh, I actually had this conversation not too long ago with somebody, um, you know, there's surgical procedures, um, I actually have had a couple of clients who were males that were really heavy that had it done. Uh, the light, light, what's it called? Uh, it's a laser treatment and it actually worked pretty good. Now it's super expensive. Um, you have to do multiple treatments and I, I apologize. I don't remember the exact name of it, but, um, it actually, I was pretty surprised it worked pretty good, but outside of surgery, just I would say stay lean. You know, I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. if you just stay lean, you know, your skin will naturally start to tighten up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember y'all remember back in the day with all the creams and all the put the the waist, you know, what were those old the, the neoprene bands around your waist and everything? They still sell. Yeah, I tried all that stuff. I don't think that shit works. Maybe temporary, like, you know, the uh, the hemorrhoid creams and all that stuff. Maybe it helps like that day, but I don't see long term benefit to a lot of that. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. I
1: think staying lean, it's funny. That's where I was going to go. If you, if you get lean and you have loose skin, stay lean and that will allow the, a lot of times, the large majority of the time, the skin to kind of catch up. The elasticity as we get older tends to the elasticity of the skin isn't what it was when we were younger so it does take longer a lot of times the skin will catch up it may not catch up hundred percent but maybe it'll catch up eighty percent and that's better if you constantly are getting lean and fat and i've talked about this before on the show it's like a rubber band that you continue to stretch and you and it, it will lose elasticity over time if you stay lean if you get lean you have loose skin and you stay lean and you don't you you basically still have loose skin I don't, outside of surgery, I don't, or having some type of, because there are advancements in technology now, like yeah. S2H is talking about, there's, I know there's this cold one where they freeze shit, and there's That's a it, lot the of, cold yeah, one. that, yeah. there is a lot of promise there, there actually is, I, at first I scoffed at it, because I thought, oh, it's just another one of these multi, uh, or several thousand dollar procedures mm-hmm. that are going to, you know, make 10% difference, and it's really not going to matter, um, that people are going to rave about, but this one actually does have some promise, I've had two clients who have used it, and god damn. I
2: it's was working, huh?
1: I was pretty impressed. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. I'll At send you guys time- a
2: picture of a guy that had it done as a client of mine, and he was really big, and he had, the, I mean, a really bad, especially below the navel, like the sag skin over. He had it done, competed, and won his class, and it was gone. I mean, no it was kidding. almost amazing. No yeah, kidding. It was like wow. It yeah. was. It was. He looked like he. I mean, his abs were just flat with veins, and he went from that with, you know, the rolls below the navel. From the thin, from the skin, and I was like, "Holy shit, that did work!" Yeah,
1: and when yeah. I say it's a few thousand, it's not a few thousand; it's several thousand dollars. It's a lot I mean, of it, money. It's a very yeah. costly procedure. So, for the large majority of people, I think it would probably be out of their, Eight, out of their grand. wheelhouse. Yeah, wow. it, I, I thought the, if I remember right, because it has to be done a couple times. Yeah. It was significantly more than a than a boob job. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. Wow. A good expensive.
1: Job, a good boob job. I'll so. throw
0: out the whole self-acceptance aspect of it i'll go that route just to just to just to throw it out there that you know i because i feel like i've seen it happen where somebody has something they can't change and then they get really depressed they're like oh shit you know i've got this loose skin so no matter what i do i'm never going to be perfect and i think that the reality is is that no matter what you do you're never going to be perfect whether you have loose skin or have some you know what i mean like there's always going to be something especially if you're like a middle-aged housewife that it's like be the best you that you can be we need like some sort of uplifting music playing behind me as i say that but yeah it's not working yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean though like i know we're a bodybuilding I, yeah. podcast it, 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 and at the end of the day yeah if there's if there's a tool that we can use then i want to hear about it and that somebody may want to use that at the same time if you do, if that's not in, if that's not an option, if you can't afford that, yeah, it, you know, or if it doesn't work, you know, there's that too. I mean, self-acceptance is, it. Th- at the end of the day, we have to have it. You know what I mean? Like, we have to have it. So I don't care. Yeah. But
2: I, we mean, know, we know. You, I say this, if you feel bad about it, come see me. I'll take my shirt off next to you and you'll feel a hell of a lot better about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in the end, beauty is but a light switch away
1: it'll be a lot cheaper it'll be a lot cheaper to pay for the visit to come (laughs) i got
2: i got nine inch scars i got holes in me i got all kinds of stuff yeah fat everything all goes together i got one of those big scars with fat on each side of it
0: in the feed um eric replied to me and he said nah housewives and after that nags said i'm here for the housewives <laughs> yeah. The mill hunter, he is blood, sweat, and mill hunter. Yeah. All right, let me see what else we have here. I think we had one Good in the job. feed. Good job, Nags. I'll go over to the feed here if I can find that one. I got to scroll right back all the way back up because we've had a lot of people uh, commenting too here. uh It had to do with uh TRT and something to do with blood. Let me see. You guys talk amongst yourselves as I look for this. As you look, I for just I just had t- mine t- redone
2: because I had to, I had to switch. Oh, got it. My, I, you know how those doctor places? You have one doctor, and then all of a sudden the dude disappears, and they give you another guy in the same practice. Yeah. So this guy tells me, uh, I don't know, a month ago, he's like, "No, we need you to come in for your injections." I'm like, "Bro, you know I have injected myself more than everybody in your clinics ever injected anybody. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not coming in." you know and he's like well you know we have to have you come in to monitor it well i'm not doing it so i switched to this uh, uh one of those uh, trt places a local one and i went and got my labs done and they were um they were okay i would say they were not they weren't they weren't as bad as i've ever been but they were probably the little high column had a few highs in it going down so uh, I'm actually going to start back tomorrow with my wife. We're going to start training together. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to have to straighten a few things out.
1: But, well, hopefully she,
2: if she's training you, then you'll be good. Well, she'll kill me, dude. She trained <laughs> me for a show once. She was doing my – she was responsible because my coach and was her coach too. And she was responsible for my ab core workout. Oh, dude, I, that's why I don't like abs and core. She just, <laughs> I mean, she's like, come on, like drill sergeant, like over me just lacking the smoky bear hat to beat on my forehead. Yeah. (laughs) Did you find
0: it? I did. Yeah.
2: Um, All right.
0: Do you guys have any opinions on a TRT dose when anti, when on anticoagulants, um, after a DVT and clots in the lungs post COVID nineteen, yeah, I'm
1: not going. Doctor, there. doctor, yeah, it's not yeah, it's yeah, out of it my wheelhouse. Still, yeah, yeah I wonder. I have
2: a I I have a small opinion, but I want to stay away from it. I think yeah. it's better to see your well, physical doctor.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wonder, it would would there be a situation because like, I think of that guy who had the kidney issues that I was talking about. Um, he was a rare case where they were like, no, we don't want you on TRT even. That was a rare case, you know. I mean, obviously, go to your doctor for this, but I wonder if this would be one of those situations.
1: Well, I mean, if he's on anticoagulants, then that means that he has a propensity to have viscous blood. Oh so to go on trt and potentially increase rbc hematocrit and hemoglobin, hemoglobin shit shit, I'm a, my conscience not a good idea yeah my conscience won't go there i can't i
2: can't do that's, that that's mm. i'm not gonna comment i just that's tough. i i'd
1: say i'd say don't do it there's there's my advice i'd, just, yeah. I'd, I'd be like yeah. don't fucking do it dude I,
2: and that's a hard have. one i get it but with skip 100 percent
0: when's the last time you went in to donate blood skip speaking of thick blood
1: I am due in two weeks because it's two weeks before we leave to Colorado to go see the kids. Okay. And how? And they, did a whole blood. they did whole blood because they were revamping. It's just down here. Yeah. Um, it's one blood. They're like buses and they're red. And um, they were because I normally do double red and they were redoing all the double red machines or something. So I had to do whole blood. Otherwise, I wouldn't have to go back for a while. Okay. Does I that just, does that study work?
2: On... Oh, good.
1: Well, that's a good topic, actually, because we were just talking about that on the um, Intense Muscle, the expert panel, and there are there are studies that are saying that it could potentially contribute to higher yes. numbers because then the the giving blood and lowering the numbers pushes the bone marrow to increase more, you know, to put kick out more red blood cells and that sort of
0: thing. That's what Dante um, warned me of when I was talking mm-hmm. about doing it myself. He he chimed in with that.
1: There is there is that. So we're kind of we may be in the middle of a transition where the medical community. See, what you have is you have people who have it does help and it does help to keep their numbers under control. But for those who it who it doesn't work for, um, you know, bloodletting or, or phlebotomizing or whatever the hell you want to call it. Maybe bloodletting <laughs> isn't the right word, but, you know, phlebotomizing that they need to look at their situation. That may be what is happening. The body is compensating by kicking out even more red blood cells than it would if they were not to phlebotomize. Hmm. A hard word to say several times in a row. Phlebotomize.
0: I just went in for the the third or fourth month in a row. And I think I'm finally back down in range. A lot of people think that they donate a pint of blood and they're good. I've been doing over the normal amount that you can take. Every time for four, I think four months now, and I started at 56, and I I believe this last time I was down at 51, and I just did it again this past week. It was perfect draw. The time before, they used a word that I, grosses me out. They couldn't get the vein, so they had to fish for it. Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, I don't know if i want to hear that term.
2: I'll do that to you.
1: Now, Scott Stevenson made... <laughs> Scott Stevenson made some good points though in that discussion, yeah. and if anybody wants to check it out, they can. It's on Intense Muscle, but um, the he came back and he said, "Let's just say, and I'm paraphrasing, if you get your numbers lower by phlebotomizing, that does not erase the other." like contraindications or issues that you have that are causing those numbers to be higher. Sure. You're, you're in a sense, artificially bringing down. Okay. Now you don't have the high RBC, hematocrit and hemoglobin, but you still have the issues that are causing it to go up. Not and you might think, well, that's just steroid use.
0: AKA anitrol. Not
1: necessarily. The other issues that come along with it, the other things that are going on in your body, because those numbers are being pushed up. So there's, you know are you the the question becomes then what benefit outside of just bringing those numbers down are we really getting? We're not getting all the side benefits because those issues that are causing it to go up are still there. they're yeah. happening because of the steroid use, yeah. which was a very good point that you know I fancy myself a pretty bright guy. Um, contrary to what S2H thinks. Yeah. And and it did, it occurred to me because I dealt with blood issues for a long time, yeah. and even though my blood is good now because I'm at sea level and, and things have been different, I, that didn't occur to me. I just was kind of locked into this, well, as long as the numbers are low, then I'm good. It doesn't erase the original issues and the shit that's going on in your body that is causing those numbers to go up.
2: Yeah. Well, there's some research um, that why women live longer than men and because women menstruate, so they're losing blood, replenishing. And then, so there's like some studies going on where, and you know, of course, the, they're not taking bodybuilders probably for this study. It's probably just normal people. <clears throat> and if men give blood so much, is that, is that a reason that they're not, you know, it could live longer.
0: Well, one of the things life. with that is that with women menstruating and losing blood they can purge heavy metals versus we don't have right. as much of an ability to do that. It just stays there. I think longer term, and you know, gets into the tissues and all that. I don't know. Obviously
1: and injecting indeed. gear all the time. I mean, that helps with heavy metals, right? Yeah, you got to keep <laughs> yeah. your heavy
0: metals down. That, you know?
2: that, that, that UGL stuff has no metal in it.
0: Yeah. yeah. I wonder about the underground uh, growth.
1: I don't care. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can't turn a blind as as I, eye. Live, live, live as as for the huge. moment. Live yeah. for the moment. Be yeah. huge. You
2: know. Take, hey, take trend more trend.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What else do we have here? I was not paying enough attention to think ahead to look over here to find the next question. Um, well, there was another one that was kind of a little bit more complex. Uh, where was that? Oh, actually, had two more here. Um, best finishing drug one week out, and also. Does S two H look younger when he shaves?
1: Doubt it. <laughs> yeah, best finishing drug. Finishing drug. Ugh. Um best finishing pro just be lean going into the last week and he'll be ready to go. I mean um I think he's probably referring to something maybe throwing in halotestin or something like that, which I find to be kind of a an old school thing that really doesn't benefit. I think Along the line of this this question is the the idea, and and the person who asked this question may not be thinking this, but this is what I'm thinking he's thinking, that when you put in a compound, you all of a sudden become harder. The only way that you're going to put in a compound that that would make you harder is if it in some way shifts water or gets you leaner, and a compound isn't really going to get you leaner in a week or two anyways, outside, I'm talking about AAS, so halitestin and stuff like that. Uh Masteron could an anti-estrogen could if you have higher levels of estrogen and maybe that's making you hold water but adding a compound in aas unless it's Masteron or something like that really isn't going to shifting your compounds i guess maybe if you're shifting away from long esters that are more aromatizing to lower possibly but finishing by just adding something add halotestin, you're not really going to if you're not hard to begin you're not going to all of a sudden go, oh, wow, that was a great combination. I'm going to use that next time. He, he, so, I didn't read
0: the whole thing. He said it, assuming that you're already in shape.
1: Okay. Then just make sure that the compounds that you're on aren't aromatizing and that your estrogen is under control. But adding another compound probably isn't going to change your, your. you know, some people add anadrol in the last 48 hours. Or oh, something. yeah, yeah. That, what do you think of I that?
2: Think that's super draw.
1: Yeah. Super works the best probably It probably would. It probably would. But are you really going to? Here's how I've always looked at this: If I've done everything right and I'm in good condition and I'm hard anyway and I'm ready to go, I'm not going to take a gamble on something that might give me one percent that might not even be make a visual change anyway. And then the risk or the gamble is that it could completely fuck up shit and make me hold water. Hmm. It's a hell of a gamble to steal from Top mm, it's Gun. It's a it's hell of a draws. gamble. Let me finish. Water Let me into
2: finish. The Let me finish. It's a hell of
1: a gamble with a thirty million dollar plane, Lieutenant. There, now you can go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've seen Super draw work pretty good the last two days. You know, not taking it the whole week, but and a draw too. But Super draw, you know, it does push water into the muscle. Um, it. I've seen some. I mean, like you said, it's not going to. Are you going to be like? You go from last place to first place? No. You know, but it maybe it's that I would give it more than one percent, but it's, it's 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 it can work for some people make you harder. It can build more, more intermuscular water. I don't think it's really going to move a ton of water like you think it will. It just it just it just keeps that, you know, the nitrogen retention, everything into the muscle. So it can yeah, work.
1: There, there are other variables like let's say, are you still trying to move water? Are you yeah. still watery from a load? Have you loaded yet? So, are you yeah. gonna take it at the, exactly? Are you gonna take it at the same time that you load? And you, you, there are a million different ways to load, so there are other factors in there. I'm not saying not doing it. and I'm not saying that it hasn't made a, you know, where people have thought, okay, yeah, that worked pretty good. But I'm just saying it is a hell of a gamble at the last minute.
2: Try it like four or five weeks out for sure,
1: even, happens, even you know. two or three, two fucking yeah. two weeks. Try it the weekend before, see what happens. Yeah, but make sure that your other variables are constant too. Like, either you just loaded and you're going to load right before the show. When you do an, a, a trial run on something, you need to have those variables as many of those variables as possible mm-hmm. to be exactly the same that you're going to be doing prior to the show so if you're going to do a trial run but you're not going to control your water or move your water or load mm-hmm. or it's not going to be then don't even bother fucking experiment with it because if the variables aren't going to be the same then it's very unlikely that you're going to have the
0: same outcome skip do you ever manipulate water for a trial like a mock trial run with water
1: Always. Yeah. If it's going to be something within the last 48 hours or so or 24 hours, always. And that's the bitch of it because everybody thinks, oh, it's just a trial. It's no big deal. No, it really isn't. It's going to impact your potential, your training either that day or the next day too because if you're moving water and shifting water, then – you better be careful during that training session, too. You mm. may even have to train on very limited water intake. So then you're training on a, in a situation where you're sweating at the same time, mm. that you're limiting water. So it could become a dehydration. And if you, if, for those who don't know, even a 1% reduction in hydration will impact hmm. not only your training, but contractile force.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, I mean... It, there's a lot of things that you got to be very careful if you're doing these trials or experimentations correctly at the last minute. And at the last minute, I mean the last two or three weeks before a show.
2: So you need to repeat the process exactly like you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep.
0: With the Halo, I don't know how great it is, but I've used it for every show. I've said that before. And if I were to compete again, which if I can get to 240 this year and hold that, I might compete next year we'll see cool i'm close already i'm writing this down sorry i'm gonna use it's already know? written down it's recorded oh, that's it? right
2: i'm safe are you gonna that's use
1: the
0: halo that's what i was getting yeah. at i probably will yes yeah, yeah flat and out.
1: i used it for a long time and then took it out because I, I wanted to see if it was going to be i didn't notice any difference so i had done what you did i was like well it's supposed to be there so i'm gonna have it there and i was happy yeah. with the results. With everything together and then I'm like I don't know Maybe it doesn't make that big of a difference and it's So hepatoxic Yeah so I'm like you know what I'm going to leave it out And I didn't notice a difference
0: I think I'll so. run it low though um, I've run it at various doses And I've gone up to I, And I know people have used more but for me 40 was really high Ooh. I ran 40. Is I, high. I ran yeah. 20 The first time I ran it was 10 the first week 10, 10, 20 So for three weeks and then I did uh, 20, 30, 20, what was it, 20, 30, and then 40, like the last three days. Yeah, and that was that was too much. I Your liver was nice hating team, you,
1: man. and everybody around you was hating yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't test my blood work.
0: <laughs> I didn't test my labs for a little while after that, like eight weeks later. And things were you know pretty much back to normal. But I wouldn't do that again. But if I were to do it again, I would probably contest prep on lower-dose gear. But I would... Keep the test high like because I've experimented with taking the test lower and I feel like I did lose like I could have held more size if I had the test up higher. So I'd probably, I'm probably not going to say I'd use like crazy tests, but, you know, probably like I don't even want to throw a dose out there because there might be new people listening who and I say that's a low dose and it's really not um, eight grams. Yeah. Under a gram. We'll say that Um for an advanced lifter user for advanced drug user Um in master on. And then at the end, like ten Halo for the last ten days, maybe. I think I'd do that. No. Okay. just I don't know. I just You're, I
2: know. Are you two forty?
0: Almost. No, I got I got a I little. I know. Way. I got a little ways to go. Big swole. Big swole. <laughs> I got a, I got a, I got a ways to go. You'll know. You'll know. You'll know.
2: I'm two forty, but
0: it's not a good two forty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say who it is. Any of our listeners may assume. But there was a fighter who recently, I know, that recently used Halo. I'm not going to throw any names out there. You guys don't know who this is, even if you watched a podcast we did with a fighter recently. But he, now I see, I feel like Halo makes more sense as for a fighter. Because, like, one of the things I like about it is the aggression that you get in the gym and the strength that you get in the gym. Because it's great for strength. But if you're ramping that up, and like, this is the last week of a show, prep. Like you're not really training that hard. You don't need it. You don't need to be able to lift a ton of weight in that last week. Right. You know what I mean? You're not lifting right. anymore. So that's one area where it doesn't make sense to me. is
2: well. big in fight sports. Yeah. It's used a lot more people know. Because you're not gonna really gain weight on it. So yeah. you have to make weight, it's not gonna be a problem. Yeah. That's why a lot of them used to use wind Remember the guys would fail wind straw tests, and you're like, What the hell are you using wind straw for? Well, it's trying not in that much form. but you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna have trouble making weight. All right. So um, one last
0: one here. Recovery is so overlooked. My labs show high potassium, low sodium, which led uh, to discovering that my HPTA axis is producing next to no aldosterone. Um, and ACTH was less than 0.1, undetectable. Cortisol and DHEA is still okay, um, but I feel like complete shit and I'm lethargic all the time. That said, any thoughts other than eat loads of sea salt uh to help recover adrenal function? Um I feel this is more common in competitive physique athletes than many people would
2: think.
1: Yeah, he's probably overtrained.
0: Yeah.
2: Yep. I'd say agree with Skip, unless he's taking some kind of some kind of uh, SSRI or something that can cause that, but you
0: know, yeah, overtrained. No kidding. That's not something you can really come back from in a day, is it? No, but uh, I mean, you
1: can make huge strides if you didn't train for a week. Yeah. Yeah and this is assuming that he's overtrained. Yeah. The other thing is a lot of people it's that that analogy of the frog in the boiling water versus, you know, sitting in the water and then turning it on and bringing the boiling temperature up to boil it it's you can't it's, a lot of times you don't notice that you're in an overtrained state. Um, if he probably were to sit there and, and analyze and go down the list of things, he would probably then go, okay, maybe I'm overtrained. Um, so if that's the case, if he's truly overtrained, then then it is. It's make sure that you sleep, don't train for a week, and then get back into it and slowly come back over the next week or two. And And I say maybe a week isn't enough. It depends on really how bad it is. But he probably is overtrained to some degree. How much, how little, don't know.
2: Hmm. So you know, yeah. when you overtrain, a lot of times you don't get good sleep. You don't sleep well. Right. Narcolepsy mm-hmm. can come in, and that those combination that that's like the second tell that you're you can have those problems. So
1: well, narcolepsy is a little extreme, but I would well, go
2: with insomnia yeah. first. In some, I mean, insomnia. <laughs> I, I got bang. I got bang <laughs> Yeah,
0: I don't think we said that on the show. Scott drank a bang for the first time, and it was like seven o'clock at night. So. Oh, second so time if anybody under.
1: thinks, wow, S2H has a personality,
0: we're going to make sure that he has a
1: bang. I'm going to send him a case of bang so he can have a bang every <laughs> every episode. It's wearing
2: off, though. Five, but yeah,
1: it is. You're coming down a little bit. But before we push the button, holy shit, we got to get that button pushed sooner.
0: <laughs> oh. Tanya asks, uh, what's the uh, SSRI interaction and how should uh, – how should, she be, uh, proact- how should she be proactively act against that?
2: Well, here's what I'm saying. SSRs, and this is coming from a lot of experience with the VA, and they give them to people who don't need them. Yeah. So, you know, if you have ser- normal serotonin and dopamine release and uptake, and then you introduce SSRs or SSREs, it starts to interfere with that. Mm. And so that's a lot of times where... Uh, problems can occur when, not to get too much on a tangent, but if your doctor wants to give you an SSR or an SSRE, I'd, I'd really make sure you're getting a good evaluation because it can, if that's a trickle-down effect to, you know, hormones and, and HPTA and thyroid function and other things can be really uh, affected by that. So I think... Um, if you just go in and someone says, you know, I'm having a bad day and they're like, oh, here's some, you know, SSRIs, you may want to rethink that process. I think she this posted my in the opinion.
0: group before about having, I think, like, uh, like, I think it was like uh, anxiety or panic stuff going on that, you know, she. So she was pretty confident that she was using what she needed to be. But I don't know. I know for me, I feel like I had depression when I was younger and it it was something that would like it was a, like a longer term thing. And then going on to TRT, it went away. Like it, I never, never felt it again. Because your test might have been low. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I never had it tested before I'd used gear, but you know, I, I but I do wonder. I mean, that causes depression, right? But doctors, mm-hmm. I, I can tell you that I was treated with SSRIs for years for depression, and on and off, and 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 it, they never even looked at my test levels. They never thought to, you mm-hmm. know. No. Yeah, so.
2: it's a, it's it's tough. I think it's. More challenging to get really good, really good treatment and advice on some of those things. I don't think they look at a full 360 picture a lot of times.
0: Yeah. So, Skip, what's up with your training now, with uh, with everything? Because I know you were, your back, your hips doing better. And yeah, uh, I just
1: got cleared uh, yesterday. So. And you had I been. Four,
0: you were getting ready for a show, and now, right. like, what's your what's your plan now?
1: My plan now is I have to do something with these legs. I'm still down a couple inches from my chronic back shit that went on for so long. But you know what? I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be honest and transparent and say, you know what? It's been four years since I've had a four and a half um, since I've had a major back injury. Yeah. I should be training legs heavier than I am. So I'm going to have to And this cutting phase really opened my eyes to that. Because remember, I wasn't doing any cardio. Yeah. So my legs, when I looked at my legs, I thought to myself, man, they're just not, they're not getting eaten up by cardio. They're just not big enough. Damn. And then it kind of hit me. I'm like, wow, I have, I'm still scared to go balls out with the, you know, huh. train heavier. So my focus over the next year is going to be to, obviously I'll stay lean because I, you know, I just relatively lean, but I'm going to really, my, my focus is a hundred percent is i'm bringing my legs up hmm. so i got four weeks before we go see the kids and i'm going to break back into doing because uh, i've been able to train legs but it's just been very limited to be careful of my hip yeah. now i still have to be careful but i'm going to do some you know more glute uh not down it but glute work um like squatting and getting into back into leg pressing so breaking in slowly and then when i come back from colorado and seeing the kids then i'm going to step on the gas again because i'm trt now and i'm going to grow these motherfuckers and try to compartmentalize the lower back the history of my lower back injury still be smart yeah but still compartmentalize in the sense that i really have to be able to try to shelf this fear of another injury um or i'm just not gonna hit my legs the way i want and they're not gonna be where i want them to be
0: yeah yeah so that's where i am right now i was curious man I'd love to get I'd love to get some uh some leg training in with you at some point. I'm not overly strong, man, but I'm pretty good at legs. I feel like I get it. I mean, I'm not one it's not like if we got together I'd be like, dude, we gotta put six plates at the bar. You know what I mean? Right. But I, how long does your leg workout usually take? Like a good a good leg workout. How long is that workout and about how many working sets are you doing? I'm probably doing well, I always do calves and then
1: quads and hamstrings, but I always have to stretch first, so that takes up twenty, twenty five minutes there, uh just for stretching. And um, that's because of the history of my lower back problems, but you know, it probably takes me—it's a—it's a a couple hours to train legs. That's including the stretching. Um, no, not usually. Okay, it's coming up on yeah, it's coming up on a couple hours. The other thing that takes a long time too is actually warming up. Mm, My knees hurt, so once I get them warm, I mean, we're talking. Three or four sets of light extensions Three or four sets of light curls And then when I get into my first movement um, Let's say I'm going to do hacks There's a solid, there's a set with no weight There's a set with Forty fives. There might be two sets of 45s. If my knees are hurting me, then I'm going up by quarters, just warming up until I get to my top set, and then I'm counting them. There may be four or five warm-ups on that first compound exercise, and then I can roll roll out at what I think is 100%. I'm still training them pretty intensely, but I'm not putting the weight, the resistance, because in the back of my mind, I feel like this could be the day. I always train legs with the anxiety of this could be the day this could be the day. And it's it's a very unnerving, it takes the enjoyment out of training legs. The only time I enjoy training legs, I'm being completely honest, is as soon as I'm done. Hmm. As do you talk when you train? Do you talk never. to people
2: when you
1: train? Nope. No. Now in between sets, if someone approaches me or something, I'm never an asshole, and I'll t- but I'm not going to carry on a conversation or start a conversation when I'm training. But I'm always nice to people. And how often do you train legs then? Once a week okay and i have to factor that in too to decide hmm am i going to go on a rotation that increases the in, the frequency from 7 days to 5 days yeah. because that's going to be my priority
0: that helps so, me that helped yeah. me big time
1: the problem that i have is i i want to train when i focus on a muscle group and it's a priority mm-hmm. i go 100% balls out that's and i you end do. up with an intensity that makes recovering in and being able to train it again effectively and actually progress in five days very difficult to do so if i'm going to train it more frequently then i have to be able to pull the reins in a yes. little bit and not not necessarily not train intensely no but of course not. the volume yes. and everything else then i have to be able to pull that back and it's a balancing act as you know
2: yeah when so, do you train back i train relation back to your like leg day relation to your or,
1: leg day usually three days before legs so i'll train back on tuesday i'll have a rest day on wednesday then i train arms on thursday and then legs on friday
2: then i have, have you ever two tried days. splitting your leg workout and your back workout as far away as possible
1: i've actually tried to go with my back workout more posterior chain where i train calves um hamstrings and back but the problem is is it has to be in the order i want it in the order of back first and then hamstrings and then calves because of the priority my calves are pretty damn good my hamstrings are pretty good when i bring up my legs i have to bring up my hamstrings too but it's predominantly a quad issue i can tell visually from the front my quads just aren't they they just aren't what and all i have to do is go back to videos mm. you know back when i lived in evergreen and was competing around you know 2010 2012 and that's the biggest change i've actually improved my upper body not dramatically but i've improved it since then nice but not not my legs and it's very Uh, disheartening i would think maybe
2: if you put your legs very like first in the week and the back at the end yep but
1: while the back is still a priority too if i was going to put something to the end of the workout or end of the week it would be more like arms or chest that sort of thing but if i train legs first and this is another thing that i have to factor in remember i have this long history of these back injuries if i do that when i'm still loaded like coming off of a load and i still have a little bit of distension it mm-hmm. can it potentially makes the pump in my lower back mm. more you know like, yeah more bothersome yeah. I'm, ti- I'm tighter so i was thought i was thinking about moving them to like tuesday or wednesday and then again on maybe even friday or saturday i thought about again splitting the hamstrings and quads but that isn't going to help me a whole lot it's it's just trying to find that right you know that perfect combination and there really isn't the perfect one it's like what is the best one that sort of shit
2: yeah i mean more my curiosity was if you were training back and legs you know back to back to each other which you're not right i would say you could split them farther apart but it sounds like you're about as far apart as you can get anyway yeah Yeah,
1: so it's just – I even thought, well, maybe I'll train them three times a week. That would force me to take my volume really low. Yeah, Like maybe I only would do two or three working sets or one working set for three exercises and do that three days a week. Even two times.
0: Even two times a week is going to really make you take it down.
1: But then factor in – train quads um, only. That um, warm-up then, as soon as I I double my leg training, the warm-up time – so then it becomes a time issue. And then I'm thinking, hmm – damn then i'd have all that and i i still would need to stretch prior to because as long as i have stretched Mm -hmm. prior to training i have not had a back injury
2: so can you walk to the
1: gym if well i can now but we have big big things going on this week with um my better halves um career so there may be big changes there but i right now i can't i could but I'm not going to. It's supposed to be walk
2: recently.
1: Yeah, but I go to the gym early in the day now because remember, I started training one-on-one clients now. So I do one-on-one training. I get there sometimes 2, 2.30 or 3. And let's and I face it, train until
0: nine. Skip's not walking anywhere. Let's just face it. I'm not that.
1: walking anywhere. No, if I'm not driving, <laughs> I'm taking a fucking Uber. <laughs>
2: Drive a Kia over there.
0: Plus, you'd and have to walk home. Up. You'd have to walk home after training legs, too. So there's that.
1: Right. Crawl. Yep. Now, standing up, being on my feet for four or five sessions, that can, um, after a while, my back will start to get a little stiff. It's not painful. It's not anything that stretching, you know, doesn't help. It it helps it. But I know I am stiff a little bit after being on my feet for that. Because I'm not used to being on my feet that long. You got to understand. I sit on my fat ass and fucking work behind a computer. I'm on my feet to walk to my car, to go to the grocery store, get groceries, come home. Yeah. That's I'm not on my feet for that length of time, so it's only been a couple months that I've been doing that now.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. I found it for me. It was I really did start pulling that volume back, it, it, <laughs> and it it helps with my growth too overall because I train everything about every four to five days now, and I have to pull that back. You know, I only do maybe two exercises for chest. And because I combine other stuff with it, too, you know, like right. chest and shoulders and triceps. It's like, well, I, I have to get all this other stuff done while I'm here. So, right, you know, two exercises and then I'm ready to train. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, cause I, I, it, I,
2: Whatever you're doing, it's working. So just keep doing it. I feel it. Yeah, like exactly. I wish
0: I wish I would have figured it out sooner, you know, and I, I owe some of it. I owe some of it to everybody that I'm podcasting with, including oh, you, you guys. To, I do. No, you, and oh, I, I, I was actually kidding. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. I'm getting emotional. But yeah, I, you know, you know But Scott Stevenson was the one who was telling, you know, he said it not – well, he's probably said it directly to me on the shows. But, that you know, for a guy who doesn't have the greatest genetics – you may be able to get more growth factors, like trigger growth more often, you know. Like I, you know, all like all the guys in the nineties, they were all doing the the one time a week thing. I did that for years and years and it took me so far. But maybe my body needs to be triggered more often, get those growth factors Spanker. kicking, you know, right. more often. So yeah, I try to hit it as many times as I can. But it's tough to change too. That's the other thing. Cause I used yeah. to do the a three hour leg workout, you know, and you said you t- you're going on too. It's tough to break that and be like, okay, I'm just going to get in there and I'm only going to hit three exercises and I'm going to be out of here in 45, an in hour tops, you know? Right. Exactly.
1: So. Plus I train my clients Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. So I like to train on those days because then the days that I don't have clients, I don't have to train either. Yeah. I don't have to be in the gym at all. It is a nice thing. So then I get locked in or want to be locked into training on those four days. Sure. And then I real, I'm like, I'm trying to figure it out in my head with those four days. I'm like, ah, you might actually have to change your training schedule. But you know, there are things that I'll have to,
0: I got to get figured out I about five weeks to do it. So, <laughs> right anything else while we're here, guys?
2: Nope.
0: All nope. right. In that case, for another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill and S2H, head on over to our sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, and use our code ADVICES. And of course, visit Skip at TeamSkip.com, where skin is overrated. Wait, did I do that right? You did it. All right. Shut up, Scott. See you guys. <laughs>
1: Hey. hey.